Hello everyone, welcome to Scott and Paul's Rambling Podcast. Hello. Scott and Paul's here, winner of last week's Monopoly game. You wouldn't have seen that because we played on after we finished recording. It took so long. Yeah, in the end we had to basically just count up how many properties we had. You had nine, I had twelve. Uh, I was being nice, I didn't want to, I didn't want to ruin your, your flow, man, you know. Well, you didn't want, you, that's, that's why you didn't buy more properties, even though you probably could have. Yeah. I think we tried counting each other's money as well, but I think you you just looked like you had more money because, unlike me, you didn't have it in a nice pail. You just had it sprawled out everywhere. Yeah, yeah. But in the end, I won. I don't think we fully understood Monopoly and like some rules because we hadn't played any. Just like the fact that you don't need to go immediately into jail. You can just go to just visiting or, in our case, a weekend with Lilith for the Frasier Monopoly game. That's not what we're here to talk about. That was last week. That was our four-year anniversary. So this is us entering our fifth year then. Yeah, huh? Yes. That's how it works. That's how an anniversary and that works. Yeah, huh? And we've got a unique idea, I think, today. I thought this would be, you know, a bit of a laugh. Uh, maybe people will get a kick out of it. Maybe not. Maybe it's just for us, though. Maybe maybe some of our listeners will check out what we what we tell them about today yeah maybe some of the, maybe people out there who have done similar you know exploits or projects but we are here to talk about uh me and paul talk about how we met in a media course back in the day six years ago <laughs> back that in the day i know six years ago it's technically back in the day is it not uh, I, d- I love that term back in the day man. back in the glory days oh the glory days man 2015 Ah. <laughs> 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 oh. Glory days in your denim j <laughs> <laughs> I don't recall ever having a denim j in the 80s. I had a denim j Good for you. And, you a leather, and a leather j Oh, strutting about. I'm like that. Going into college in my leather j Or my Or my denim j or a leather j Oh, like the Glory days, man. Glory days. I wear long sleeve shirts on the short sleeve <clears throat> shirts on the long sleeve shirts. Wank. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about some of the films that were made during the course of that uh, course. Where obviously Paul left after the first year, I stayed on, and I made a couple other projects there that I got Paul back in yep. London because as director, those you're allowed to basically cast who you wanted. Some so. of, and you got to experience some of my fantabulous acting. Yes, Paul is actually a, a decent actor. Can't say the same for myself. Ah, you're no bad. Well, not as good as me, but you're no bad. We'll talk more about what acting in a second, but before we actually get into these uh, films, you can check them out on YouTube on most of them. There's one you can't really check out because, well, I won't let it be seen. Well, no, I won't let it be seen, but I think that I need to give... I, mean, I don't know if I have to pay the people that were involved in it, and I don't really want to. Plus, you, you really don't need to see my crap possibly drunk or hungover acting reading from a script. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, we'll get to that in a second, but <laughs> before we go into the films and everything in our... You know, exploits as filmmakers. <laughs> How are you doing, Paul? Since last week, since our big anniversary show. Do you know I am feeling fantastically good. I'm I am currently two weeks sober. Nice. Yeah, currently two weeks sober, living off caffeine. <laughs> you know, I I have replaced booze with coffee. <laughs> That's and, not too bad. You know, I'm losing weight. I'm sleeping better. You know, time will tell. This Friday, but did you know it was a there was a personal reason I wasn't drinking. Yeah, yeah. But um, time will tell if I stay sober today. <laughs> you know, we we shall see. But you know, I I I have noticed that you know I don't miss it. You know, surprised. I, I don't miss it. I really don't care. <laughs> you know, it's it's a strange notion not to care about drinking. 
Yeah. I thought I would care more than I do, but I don't. I was going to say, you seem to be doing a lot better than uh, I might have thought you would in this situation. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see you doing well. Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing fantabulous. Plus, my hair is pretty much long enough now to tie back the ponytail again, which is great. That's good. You know, it, I am I am regrowing my hair. I am two weeks sober. I'm losing weight, sleeping well. I just seen some of my fantabulous acting, so I'm I'm feeling pretty choice, man. Your, your ego was well and truly, you know, bested. Yes, I got an ego hard on. <laughs> yeah, there you go, an ego boner. I've never heard that expression in my fucking life. Yes, you have, because I just said it. I know before today is what I meant. That's not what you said, though. I think it was implied, though, was it not? Yeah, but it's not what you said. Why do you have to be so pernickety <laughs> at times? Hmm? Because it's funny. If you're, if this is how you're going to be like without the booze, you know, being so pernickety, I'd rather you you, you started drinking again. Well, okay, if you suggest, no, I'm not gonna. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> no. <laughs> but other than that, you know, in your you know, spare time, you've been making any recent purchases, you know, perusing the old eBay. I have. I I managed to beat someone at the last moment to procure myself the Claro box set. Because I am, as you know, a great fan of Hercule Poirot. <laughs> I love Poirot, and I have my Poirot box set sitting neatly next to my Fraser box set. You, you bought the Poirot box set because he's an old soul. I am. Yes, you have a very old soul. I do have an but old soul. An old soul, but a childish mind. It's a weird combination, isn't I it? I know, it's crazy. I know. Explains a lot about you, though. <laughs> it does. It really does. Was that it? The, uh, just the Poirot box set this week? Uh, yes, just the Poirot box set. Oh yeah, and I got US Marshals today as well. Yeah, that's one. Oh, and I also bought, but it hasn't arrived yet, I bought uh-huh. a Payback with Mel Gibson. <laughs> I fucking love that movie. I can't say I've ever seen it. I've, I've seen US Marshals, they're a very good film. I'll be honest, most of Mel Gibson's mid to late 90s action movies mm-hmm. and thrillers that he's in, Fucking love them. No one could do suspenseful acting like Mel Gibson. <laughs> and anybody that has a problem with Mel Gibson nowadays, well, fuck you. The guy's a better actor than you are. <laughs> He's a better actor than we are. Fuck yes, man. The guy's <laughs> a legend. Legend. It's not... It's very not. It's not really a high standard to really set for ourselves, though, is it? Though, just saying, oh, he's a better actor than us. Like, like, as a who the fuck are we, though? We are legends in the making, man. Yeah, we yeah. may not be them yet, but we fuck. We're legends in the making. We, we're going places, man. <laughs> you know, we're going to be able to, to afford shoelaces soon. <laughs> I've got shoelaces. Have you not got shoelaces? No, I have zips. <laughs> what happened to Velcro shoes, by the way? You don't Do, see a lot of people with Velcro shoes. That's because people saw sense. I liked having shoes with Velcro when I was younger. Mainly because it, it caused me to put off learning how to actually tie my shoes. So I could just do the velcro just straight over. Oh no, once I learned how to tie my shoelaces, I was very happy. Because, see, it took me a long time to learn how to tie my shoelaces. Mm-hmm. A little longer than it probably should have, but one night my mum... I'm the same. See, when I was younger, I was really choking to watch... Uh, I was the Indiana Jones where he's... You know the one where he's... The Ark of the Covenant... Well, which one is it? Uh, you know the one where the, the bad guy is open the thing in their face yes, and melting shit? Yes, first one, yeah. Raiders. Ah, yeah, Raiders, right. I was really choking to see Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh-huh. And my mum went and did that parental thing. She was like, look, I will figure out to tie your shoes. I am not watching the film. And that was a fair enough thing, so I went and I stuck at it in that evening. 
I got the shoe tying right. You know, that thing with a child, you know what I mean? Mm. I, I want to watch my film. I must learn this thing. Yeah. So I learned, and ever since then, I, well, I don't so much do it now, but whenever I wear a pair of boots, I, I always do a good tight double knot. Mm. You know? Because I always prefer a tight boot. Yeah. I, f- I find it lazy, people that just do a singular knot when they tie their shoes, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because it all, nine times out of ten, it all, it always comes out. Yeah. But pull it tight, good mm-hmm. double knot, you're sorted for the day. <laughs> See? There's some free advice for you people. See, you can also learn things. <laughs> the more you know. You can also learn things on this podcast. And yes. learning is half the battle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> but yeah, back to one of the other subjects, US Marshals, I've seen this as a spin-off, isn't it, of Fugitive, because it's got the same character. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of like a spin-off, kind of like a sequel, kind of, because it's yeah. pretty much got the same people. Yeah, also, like, Tom Lee Jones is the same character, he's got the same team around him, also, but it's got new people like Wesley Snipes and Robert Downey Jr. playing new Robert characters. Downey Jr. in it when he's young and before people knew he was a drug addict, too. Mm-hmm. Because I think he was a drug addict then, but people didn't know he was a drug addict then, because mm. he was still fresh-faced. Yeah, yeah, he's still very like, up and going. What year was this? Again? This was, if I find it on the back. I, I want to say 93 was The Fugitive, maybe. This was 98. There you go, 98. Yeah, 98, so, so late 90s. I think it may be just about to come out that Rory Dare Jr. is a bit of a tree. And I think we're about 98. This is just when Les Nights is about to you know, take his career up a wee bit with Blade, because I'm pretty sure the first Blade came out the same year. Yeah, yeah, it did, it did. But I, I, I know a lot of people would disagree with me. Mm-hmm. I think this is a better acting role than Blade. Right. Because I think Wesley Snipes is fun. Fucking, like, you couldn't, have, at this time, you mm-hmm. couldn't have two better leads mm. than Tommy Lee Jones and Wesley Snipes. Because Tommy Lee Jones, the man's a fucking legend. Uh-huh. Let's be honest, the guy is a fucking legend. And Wesley Snipes, legend. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr., fucking legend. That guy that played Cypher in Ma- Matrix, whose name I can never remember. Uh-huh. Legend. This was this came out around the time where there were seemingly a lot of films of the similar ilk of guy framed, bunch of people chasing him, and he's constantly on the run until the big revolution at the end of the film. I oh, know, but what films? I, I'm, I'm not saying they weren't bad, but I'm saying there were quite a few. Like there was a Will Smith one. I think we didn't have an enemy of the state. Uh, that, I've one. got that. That film's fucking great. Oh, there's one. I think it's got Keanu Reeves. In. I remember watching the Chain great, Reaction. Chain Reaction. I went with cinema to see one. That's a good one. Yeah. There's anyway, the state, there's chain reaction, there's US Marshals, mm-hmm. there's uh, Payback, which is Mel Gibson. There's also the one that I watched on Netflix the other day, which is not quite the same kind of story, but Ransom. Oh, it's fine. It's got Gary Sinise in it. Alright. And uh, Liv Schreiber's in it. Alright. And the guy that played. Uh, the guy, the, Jew, the guy that played the Jewish guy who was the chick's husband in Sex in the City. <laughs> he's in it. That's a bit of a, that's a weird connection there. I, 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 say, my sister's brother's boyfriend's I, I, dog walker. He's one of the actors. You know one of the actors that you see, and you see him in a lot of things, but uh-huh. for a lot, you can never remember what the fucking guy's name is. You just, you know, when you see him in a film, you go, oh, there's that guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? It's like that guy, like seeing uh, the Dark Knight. Yeah, with Heath Ledger. Yes, you remember in the opening scene when they're robbing the bank. 
Yeah. You remember the guy with the shotgun? Uh, Will Fitzner, I believe his name is. Aye, see, he's got one away. Like, I can never remember his fucking name, but every time I see him, I go, oh, there's that fucking guy. I remember when they made, we made that, <coughs> it was like in 2014, there was all these like teases that all the rumour was that, oh, he's playing the new version of Shredder. And I was like, yeah, but he's a white guy, though, isn't this Shredder, you know, a Japanese guy, which, which I think he's meant to be. Well, we, did have, we did have Kevin Nash playing him in the original. <laughs> well, he was his stunt performer for yeah. Shredder, but anyway. But it turns out all them swerving the trail, like, oh, actually, no, he's some scientist who's making shit for the, the Shredder. But I think there was a small, at one point, I planned to make him a Shredder, and then he's seen people carrying off, like, yeah, let's not make him the Shredder. Yeah. He isn't also, he is, again, one of the actors who pops up in all lots of things. things. Yeah. He's a very he's a very seasoned actor. He always picks up a paycheck. So he's he's a long part of a long line of that guy. Yeah. That guy. That guy. Mm-hmm. I think the guy I'm thinking about the way that played Cipher, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong here, but James Cosmo. I don't know. Name? I'm not as familiar with the no, Matrix wait, actors. I'm gonna look and see if he's on the back. Tommy Lee Jones, Robert Downey Jr. No, Joe Pan. Pantel. Pantoliano. Yeah, I know. Joe Pantoliano, aye. He's in also, oh, he's in uh, Bad Boys, isn't he? He's the captain, is he, is he no? Ah, he's the captain yeah. in Bad Boys, and he's, he's Cypher. He's a promoter in Ready to Rumble, by the way. Is he? The film, he plays a role in that film, where apparently was James originally... Cosmo's a fucking Scottish actor. Mm. I don't know. He, he plays uh, a pro- part that was originally written for Eric Bischoff. But they've got the film, Ready to Rumble, filmed in late 99, and by that point, WCW sent Bischoff home. Ah, so uh, he's on a bit of a spaggle, so they basically just they brought him in. But I think he plays well. He plays the skis, you know, because he screws Oliver Platt's character over. He's playing like the top guy in this promotion. Ah, he screws him over, so he plays this you no know, skeezy promoter very well. I think. But yeah, he's he's another guy for for quite a while in the early two thousands, late nineties, was in all sorts of things. Like, yeah, and he is very good and uh, and bad. Like he always feels like he's just about to properly lose it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but. Anywho, I know we feel so qualified to talk about other actors because we are, for oh, in a way, are actors ourselves. I've got an IMDb credit, well, not IMDb, but I've got a proper acting credit in a feature film because these are short films we're going to talk about. I've told you about this before, haven't I? Yes, you have. Mm-hmm. You, I'm wrestling fan number two. You never, you never tire of saying you have an actual acting role. No, even though my acting is better. <laughs> you prick. <laughs> Honestly, some one or two of the fun, especially my performances in one or two of these things, I'm I'm shocked I still passed these courses. I'm shocked I wasn't on the on the following courses just for my skill on as a as an actor. An actor. Yes, an actor. An actor. Thespian. <laughs> Any more adjectives you want to use? Yes. Did Did you appreciate my pronunciation? Yes, thespian. Yes, how very how very theater, how very Kelsey grammar of you. <coughs> <laughs> you better go Phil Jackson Headley on. Oh, I was, I was. <laughs> I die, Horatio. <sighs> He's awful. And <laughs> He's awful. <laughs> <laughs> but anywho, let's get on with what we were going to do. Yeah, let's get on with it. Let's talk about Ethan. So, we were part of a NC Media course uh, at a college in Clyde Bank. Uh, and part of it was we were going to make these short films and the first one we're going to talk about we can, you can find it's a West School, it's called Media YouTube Channel uh, you, can, you have to scroll down a few bits, this is a few years back this was done and 
We did a film called Miami Shadow. Yes, we did. And just to point out, we filmed this in November in Clyde Bank. Now, if you're not familiar with Clyde Bank, just think of Scotland in November, and that's pretty much what it looked like. It was the furthest thing from Miami you could have got. You may as well say it was filmed on the moon. It would be more realistic. But, you know, it wasn't so bad. <laughs> wasn't it so bad? It wasn't so bad, you know what I mean? You you just say that because you had a short scene and you were good in the scene. The re- doesn't mean the rest of it was very good. I wasn't just good. I was fantastic. <laughs> you know it. I know it. The fucking cast knew it. But the whole the, part of the issue with this was like we. I think we all wrote like parts of a script, and we read everybody read each other's. And uh, it may have been one of the other Scots. There may have been Scott Bradley even who yeah. originally wrote the the actual script for Miami Shadow. And that got voted as the one we were all going to make. We were going to make it all as a class and everything. And we had people auditioning for parts. I almost wanted to audition for a part and acting bit in the film, but I shat it. What part did you want to audition for? I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't choose one, really. Did you, did you want to be the skeezy drug addict? No, no. I thought, no, Paul has his heart set on that one. Let him oh, do it. thank you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I could have played one of the parts that Scott or Bobby played. No. I, I did not have the... I did not have the presence to be a cocky prick Scottish <laughs> boss in Miami. Aye, aye, the most Scottish sounder. They didn't even think, or no, even nobody gave them any direction or even made suggestions for them. Why don't you try this with American accents? You know, at least why don't you? Yeah. But no, no, nobody. They thought that you know this weird Scottish community that happens to be right in the middle of Miami because everybody in the film that is Scottish. Even though it looks like a really skeezy, cheap version of Miami. The cheapest version of Miami you could possibly have got. Aye. But like, yeah. Good times though. <laughs> so yeah, then we started putting this together and everything was getting roles. I got put in this role of a locations director. Or like, I, I had to find places for us to film. So I went along and found the, and asked the people at the, the pool hall, it's no longer their lucky break. It was just in the road from the college. And that time, kid, we film and he like in the pool hall bit for the opening of the film, and we filmed some exterior scenes out there, and then some other exterior scenes we filmed, kind next to the college in the wee car park. Go and tell him about the filming my scene. Well, the... I'm 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 getting to it. Paul. Okay, I'm okay, up to it. okay. I'm a storyteller. Ah, <laughs> I need to put them in this because they weren't there, but we were there, so I need to put them okay. in the scene. You tell the story, I act out the scenes. <laughs> you know. And so, but then that presented a bit of an issue. And we'll come back to how it ended up because the the original ending of the film because I think a lot of us wrote scripts without thinking logistically how the fuck are we gonna pull these off because the final scene in his thing involved a chase scene which led to a, a rooftop and a bit of a shootout on the rooftop. We had fun filming that chase scene, didn't we? Oh yeah, we'll definitely come back to that. But inevitably, it became very difficult for me to find any sort of rooftop or something we could. Showcase was a rooftop, so instead, because the college was so close to like the Clyde and everything, they say you know shoot it by the water and everything. That'd be like running towards the as well. Chasey guy stops at the the Clyde, but because he realizes it's a dead end and the big final shootout can happen there. Yeah. So everybody had a role. Some people were doing production many scenes. Other people chipped in Taylor bits because I'm pretty sure I at one point had to help with the camera. I think you did as well. Yeah. And behind the scenes, so everybody was chipping in their own bit. There's. The phrase "too many cooks," I think, definitely applies to this this film. Too many chefs stirring the broth. Because, like, all also a large group of people, all who don't really know, they've not really made a film before. We've got our our lecturer Kate having a key ring together. Stuart mate is putting charges the director, but 
He's not, he was a shit director. He was a shit director. He was shit director. There is no two ways about it. But in fairness, he did have a he did have a time because he was doing directing. Plus, I think he was bringing some clothing in for people. Me in particular, I think he brought me a shirt in. That's nice. Helped me mm-hmm. for my character and. You know, so he had to deal with, you know, like, mm-hmm. I think you dealt with sets. That was your yeah, thing. Yeah, I had to find locations you, for You were so. a location guy. He was directing. I think he was also dealing with, uh, you know, a wardrobe. And uh-huh. So in fairness, he did have a bit to do, but still, he, he there were certain aspects of his part he did well, but mm-hmm. he, directing was not one. He seemed a little misguided on the direction. Yeah, but I think he again was an experience like we all kind of were. So oh, yeah. he had to chip in. He had to do her part as well. I think I do think that at certain points during that film, well, we were kind of left to our own devices a little. Uh huh. You know, so, granted, I think that was to try and see just how well we would handle it, but yeah. still, I think it would have helped if Kate had been a little bit more. Hands yeah. on, yeah. yeah. Especially given like having everybody working together rather than you know dividing people up as we would do for future projects. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, they learned uh, for this film that maybe splitting people into smaller groups would and give other people take a bit more responsibility and create a better overall film. Yeah, well, I, I genuinely thought when I look back on that, I thought that was generally to try and find who were the weak links in the class. Huh. You know, like who are who are the ones that are going to benefit who are going to progress you know how would you describe the plot of miami shadow paul well, the people who don't know about it well the plot you know where were we it was like uh scott was scott bradley scott bradley was a bit of a underhanded cunt he was a he was a bent policeman uh-huh well, he was an undercover cop, but you know the other guy played by Bobby, who's maybe this guy Lance, he's big, you know, hot shot, you no know, drug dealer, but he doesn't even know he's a cop until at the end. It's a bit one of the big twists of the film, where where he finds uh, he's a cop and everything, uh, and it's just them going about you know their business and everything. And uh, no, like Bobby, what was Bobby's name again? Lance. Lance. Lance was you know he was a hard nut. He was a drug dealer, but he was very trusting of. You know, I don't think I can't even remember if uh, Scott's character really got a name or anything. No, but he was very trusting of Scott's character and looked out for him and thought he was good. Basically, his right hand man. Yeah, he, that was his guy. And then, you know, they're doing these deals and. Right, basically, they start of the film, they're playing in, in Lucky Peter, playing in the wee pool hall bit because, you know, they're all happy because mm. they made a bunch of money from a big a big deal. You get, you get an idea of Bobby's character as well because, like, we start out with playing pool and they're just, you know, shooting the shit like you say, talking about the deal, blah, blah, blah. And Bobby seems very much, you know, he's a very on-edge kind of guy, you yeah. know, very intense. Uh-huh, he's flashing like, his gun, he's quite clearly, you can see it. Yeah, uh, he doesn't care if people see, you uh-huh. know what I mean? He's like, I'm the man, I've got the gun, fuck you. And he he plays his game of pool, I think he won. Uh, and then he goes, wanders into the toilet, which is where he meets your character. Yeah, and, I, and that I'm, does sound a bit weird out of context, but there's a context. Yeah, but I, I'm playing this rather like sort of sketchy looking dude, like right. sort of standing in a in a bathroom in a sort of tie dye shirt and shades, and I'm like, you've got a, you're you've got very dark hair. It's it's all like it's much longer than it is now. It's all covering your face, kind of almost. Yeah, and I'm just kind of looking kind of sketchy, and I'm like, yeah. I'll go like, man, you got any money? And he's like, you ask me for fucking money, man. And like, ah, oh, come on, just a bit of change. And he's like. Ah, uh, fuck you! You no, I'm not here to give you fucking change. Like, I think you say, "Oh, I'll work, I'll work for everything I've got," and 
No, I'm not saying I don't like Bobby, but you know, he's he came like he always had like he was so like confident, but whenever he was on the actual screen, it did feel like he was rather than acting, he was just reciting lines, you know, there's a difference uh, between the two. And, and he did feel like he was trying to remember like 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 we said, like he didn't I don't, it didn't feel like he had the fight when he was stating the lines like he said, Well you wouldn't know anything about that, you fucking son of a bitch and he's very thick Scottish accent, like you're trying to remember what he was meant to say next no, before no, he... I I'll I'll have to disagree with you Laird. I think seeing that particular scene mm-hmm. I think he was good in that scene. And I'm not just saying that because that was my scene. I'm not saying you were bad. I'm talking about, I'm not sure he was. But no, I, I, th- I don't think his, his charisma, or for lack of a better word, he had it naturally in real life translated to the screen. He did have a lot of natural charisma, though. He was a really good guy, Bobby. I liked him. You didn't seem as sure of himself whenever... He was on camera. Yeah. As he, as he used to be when he was off camera, when the cameras weren't rolling. Uh, and he, and, you, and he, he basically berating you and everything, and he's... And that was a very tiny bathroom, so I imagine it was a pain in the arse to you know get the cameras and get everybody. Well, because like because uh, I wasn't actually there when you were filming that because you filmed that and I had to go somewhere else because I had to try and arrange to find where else the rest of the film was going to be located. So I had yeah. to bugger off in the. I will shooting. tell you something though. The, the the physical part of that scene with yeah. the spit, you see, he's not good on camera with yeah. projecting his lines and such, yeah. but he's really. I will give him credit. That scene looks pretty legit, right? Mm. Where he where he spits at me and I turn away. Yeah. Not one bit of spit. Yeah. Not one teeny bit. He was very good with that. Mm. I I was not actually spat on, which was good. Yeah, he basically, I mean, he's basically giving you this tirade, and then you're like, "Well, of course not." Me be nice, man. He goes, "I'm no fucking nice," and he spits on you, and he just turns it like he's that offended of you. You know, some dirty, sk- sketchy looking dickhead begging him for change in a toilet. He just says to Stormy, I'm fucking out of here, and then Scott quickly follows him. And there's this nice scene where he's coming out and they, they get into the car. She's sure mm. it was Kate's car, and there's some cuts around it to show that they're to try and hide the fact that they're not actually driving it. But I'd, I'd really but appreciate well, 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 that. I really appreciate the acting in that scene that he did because, like I say, you say he looks a bit mm-hmm. unsure when he's delivering lines, mm-hmm. but. He does get across the fact that he's an intense motherfucker that, you know, he has the facial expression like, you're not even worth the salt on or fucking shooting, I'm just going to f- fucking spit at you and threaten you, yeah. you know? So he's, he's, he was good with, like, he was always good with emoting, mm-hmm. you know? Wasn't he so good with, like, getting the lines or delivering naturally, but he was good emoting. Yeah. Then, uh, a bit of a behind-the-scenes thing here. Actually, filming that scene when they're coming out, it is starting to rain because it's Scotland in November. Not Miami. <laughs> and so we're, I'm behind the camera. I have to operate one of the cameras. There's two angles. One from the side, right in front of the car, because because I'm at a camera that's facing the wee side door where they're coming out, and the car is just along the side, so they're coming out, and you can see them getting the side. Whereas there's another camera over on the other side, which shows the front of the car, the car, and they're getting in, and it will show them like driving away, and mm. so it's cut, and so in the edit, it cuts between the two. And and whoever was in charge of that edit that section of the film did a really good job, I think, with the fade out edits that they had you have in that. Aye. But at the time, no, we didn't really bring the one or two things that weren't brought with us in the camera by like I was I was at my camera with another guy and a camera and he appears in the background of the one of the pool scenes, but I cannot remember his name. <laughs> I want to say Callum and I don't even sh- I'm sure if that's the right thing, but he was one of the people in charge of equipment and making sure we brought everything. Was it Connor? Connor, yeah, I know it begins with a C. Aye, but anyway, but, but like we had these plastic things where we might go over the cameras because also these are 
still like you no know, worth a bit of money these cameras, even though they're college, you know, level equipment. Yeah. We still need to hand them back in, in good condition, the same condition we found them in. Mm, not just hand the empty bag back and make yeah. off with the money. Yeah. Like we, so there are many of these plastic covers, so I thought, oh well oh, it's looks like it's gonna rain, let's get the plastic covers out. And Heat and Connor didn't bring the covers, he didn't check the bag through the covers, he didn't bring the yeah. covers. And I got very angry about this. We didn't we improvise and use jackets? Yeah, I had to put my hold my hood off and then put the jacket over. Yeah, like and then still try and make sure the jacket didn't like come over the side and into the shot. I remember that. That was good improvisation, Scott. I know, but still very frustrating because it was starting to rain because I was protecting the camera but not necessarily protecting myself. Frustrating, yes, but intelligent, also yes. Because the thing with the the filming day sometimes on these films could be long and. And frustration, it was easy to get frustrated, especially toward the end of the day. And so they drive off, and that's the thing, like, we made the best out of the film we could, like, with our own experience and everything. We made the best of it in terms of, like, forming the story, but I think there were some things that were meant to be implied that we, ideas we came up with that, I really think an execution came up, came out as well, because they do the thing, they'd be driving, kind of mini montage kind of thing. What was the song that they were driving to? Oh, there was. Ah, uh, what was the name of it? Ah. Uh, uh, you said Guns and Roses. Sympathy for the Devil. Yeah. That's it. You Sympathy said, for the you Devil. Because you said Guns and Roses did a version as well. Aye, it was Rolling Stones version that was in yeah. the film, but. Rolling which, which I don't know how we got that, because when we come to a film later on, I wanted to use a song, but we were told, oh, you can't use that for copyright. I'm like, how the fuck did we get to use that version in the edit? Nobody minded. So nobody would have given a fuck if I used the song I wanted to use later on, but. Well, I'll come to that later. Yeah. So that's playing, and then they stop because a uh, one of our fellows, Craig, we mentioned him, and another Scott, and of course Scott McMillan, where maybe also skis kind of criminals or drug dealers, or whatever, <laughs> and they're beating up poor Thomas because he owed poor them money. Thomas. Money. Uh, we poor Thomas. His whole role was just to lie in the ground. We had, we had a wee bit of cardboard cow thing under him, so he didn't have to yeah, actually lie in the dirt. Of, a wee bit of fake wee makeup, blood on wee him. makeup on him. And they were yelling at him and. Uh, very much a bulk and skull situation because Scott is bulk because he's, he's bulky. He, well, no, that that, but he's like angry. He's the one probably giving out to him, and he and Craig's like, yeah, yeah, you you owe us money, yeah. <laughs> he's basically he's, he's his sidekick basically, yeah. and then we gave Craig such shit for ages after this because then we kind of tried to swap in a man who can like a one of you back like CPR on to play and try and cut around it so that uh, Craig could help him. Craig could start punching it and. Craig's uh, punches sucked. Craig's punches were very soft, like, because mm, mm, mm. we didn't want him actually punching Thomas. Cause, <laughs> no, but I, I hardly think if he'd actually been punching Thomas, he would have hurt him because he was like, uh, uh, I'm going to beat you. <laughs> like, like Mr. Burns tried to hit that guy with a, a baseball bat. What are you doing? Giving you the threshing of a lifetime. It actually reminded, uh, me, reminded me more of peak big boss man punches, <laughs> you know? Too much air between those boss men. But like, so then when the way in the film is a cut because it then shows the light shining really, really like, I'm sorry, is this meant to be Thomas's soul going up to heaven? Is he dead now? <laughs> yes. Yes, he's dead. Symbolism, a bit too deep for a film like this, but yes, there's Lance in that pool over the car because I think we're meant to portray that Lance has some weird moral comments where sometimes he can stand by and do horrible things, but sometimes we see some horrible things after other people, sometimes feels like he has to step in, but. Mm. It just really like he randomly stopped because these two guys were there and he just shouts at them and goes, you better get the fuck out of here, I'll put you in the ground. 
and then he ends up shooting pure Craig. Yeah, he shoots Craig like, in the head anyway. It's a weird, it's a weird cut because he shoots, and then just Craig just landing like, oh, leave that makeup on his head. We didn't even, we didn't even feel the need to include the bit where it shows gets the Scott shouting like, "You're fucking mental! Like, you're gonna pay for this!" And he runs <laughs> off. That was that was a film bit shot, but mm. for some reason, and we're all we spent a lot of time on this scene and the following bit with the the confrontation because after that, like, he's like, "Cause he's." Because surely Scott Scarlet has seen him do worse things, but then he feels the need to reveal that he's a cop and he feels he's gone out and tells him to get his hands up, but he still hasn't to pull the trigger. So Bobby's as Lance is shouting at him and calling him a fucking rat, and then he just slaps the gun away from him and just runs off and just runs after him. <laughs> and then comes the scene that got us, got the police phoned on us. Oh, for Christ's sake. It's <laughs> got the police phoned on us. <laughs> because what happened? Do you know. Before you start, mm-hmm. I would just like to say that I, in this scene, was not but an innocent bystander. I was just there, man. Oh, no. Much like you. You didn't get shouted at, I didn't get shouted at, but my God, we could have done without it. So the thing was, they both got, like, suits on the whole thing, like, uh, Bobby's got this weird grey suit, Scott's has got this very big, like, navy blue suit, right? Yeah. And so they're going through the film, we're going to go down this alleyway that we find, right? Behind uh, the pub, kind of like where the where when you when you when the bus turns up the way where there's, there's that Papa John's now there wasn't a Papa John's there before but it was just no. a pub and that it was a I think it was a bookies before ah, it was a bookies before but it went next to the the pub I can't remember what the pub's called the the pub but was it John Brown's well, it was originally brought John Brown's but I don't think it's called John Brown's anymore no it's not called that it sells fantastic cocktails now <laughs> my my mother and I went in there for cocktails we 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 had a few. Mm. Yeah. But that was after we had a couple of cocktails that we bought too. But like so we were behind there in the alley behind there, so we thought that'd be a good way. It was just a case of they continue the chase that shows them run down one camera set up outside the alley show them going in and then cut to another one that's down the bottom of the alley and they turn a corner and then cut slap it all together. And we we would have noticed that uh, the people down the alley would have probably had a time look back and noticed that the people following the other camera can be seen kind of up their heads can kinda of be seen yeah. as they turn the corner. But we didn't get a chance to because Scott and the have these prop guns, and so they're kind of like either in the pocket or one of them had the, had theirs out right, and they're just chatting away about the scene how they're going to run down. I think one of the other guys was there chatting away him, and they went they went a bit along because there's a wee bridge there, and next to the bridge is a donut shop. Mm-hmm. I should mention this is less than a week after the uh, the Paris attacks. Oh she yeah, mentioned that. Yeah. So people are a bit on edge, and so we were talking, and a woman apparently seen these guys chatting away and the gun. And didn't seem to register that it was a prop gun. And so we do a couple of takes of the, the chase scene. Mm-hmm. And then a guy comes out of the donut shop who's very, very angry. Yeah. He's very angry. A lot more angry than he needed to be. And he was just shouting, what are you doing with these guns? And I'm like, well, like, I, I, I didn't want to see anything. But like, look at the clues, mate. Like, there's... A group There's of, cameras here, man. We got cameras. We got equipment with the college logo. No, no. The college, the college was like down the road from the from the shop. No one's filming a terrorist attack, you dick. We don't. We, we don't want to keep it for posterity. I mean, I mean, the terrorist groups have filmed their attack, but they, but not. They don't have multiple camera setups like we've fucking no, got one, we, di- one here and one down the alley. They don't have a fucking cameraman, a fucking script supervisor, for the acts of terror. Fucking sound operator and all sorts mm. of people. I mean, the fact that annoyed the fuck at me, the fact that there was, there was cameras there, there was a fucking boom mic, there yeah. was, everything was there. Mm. Was he really ra- fucking retarded? 
I mean, we should have obviously been well, more aware and maybe should have warned Bobby in that not to have their guns out. Or maybe, maybe like in in hindsight, we should have went to the surrounding businesses and said, "Look, we are filming a scene here. These are fake guns." This is where we had to learn where with scenes like this, we have to phone police ahead of time to warn to let them know we're going to be doing it, which we would do for later films. Yes, we would. Sure, for the Savior, which is the next one we're going to talk about, uh, we would do that. Uh, but we didn't know that time. This is the first thing we'd all went out without Kate, because Kate remained in the college. We went down the road to this alley. We took next to the shop. And so this is the first thing we're all out by ourselves, so it's probably had something to do with it. So the guy comes out and he starts shooting a ball, and we were trying to explain to him. Some of us are, uh, but other people are just shit getting back in his face and shouting and like Cert- making the making the situation worse. Certain people think care. We're making they're making the situation worse than it needed to be. And then the guy says something that still baffles me to this day. Like, how am I supposed to know that this is broke, fake and all that? How do I know you're not you guys running by with a gun? How do I know you're no ISIS? And like, mate, that guy's wearing a bright navy blue suit. You may look like fucking ISIS, you tip. I don't, I don't know if the ISIS dress code, but I'm pretty sure it's not that. Aye. So, we, eventually we all kind of like try and move shit along. We, we walk away, the guy says he's from the post, and so the post come a little while later while we're in class. And they, they, the police were thankfully were on our side. Yes. But they did but they did stress that we should phone ahead of time next time. Yeah. And you know, given the circumstances. So then me and you were actually in charge of editing that scene, uh that we oh. had, And I think after a while we got bored because we, we we did as much as we could but editing was still teenagers, so we just started I remember playing about that like moving the guy back and forth up in the alley looking uh. like Benny Hill like we were just amusing ourselves at that point. Yeah. Well, I think that was just to lighten the tension of the day. No, it was a different day, but... Well, I, day I, meant, I meant retrospectively, retrospectively you know what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Lighten the tension of the whole yeah. fucking situation. So then we do... The, the final scene comes in the film where they run to the... the edge of the water, like, edge of the water and the guy's like, doing the lines, but, like, there's a scene where he climbs over... For one of them, he had climbed over and he was facing the other side for some reason... Uh, so we were shown from different sides of the barrier, and, he, and the bit where he's on the other side, he's done, and he says, why are you doing this, man? But it looks like he's trying not to laugh for some reason. Mm. Like, why are you doing this, man? Yeah, I knew you for all these years. I loved you, man. Yeah. And, and, like, and he says, and so he, he finally puts two and two together that he's a cop, and, everything, and he turns around and goes, wait, so you're a cop? And Scott says... And I don't. Someone should really question this line. <laughs> Where he says, "It doesn't matter if I'm a cop or not." Like, it, it kind of does oh, matter. Does. Either you are a cop or you're not, because you're pointing a gun at him and you want him to put his hands up, and well, I suppose, presumably you want to arrest him. I suppose what it means is, mm-hmm. considering that Scott's a dirty cop, mm-hmm. I suppose it means it doesn't matter if I'm a cop or not because he was quite clearly only killing. Mm-hmm. So that's why it doesn't matter if that makes any more sense to you. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it doesn't matter if I'm a cop because you're not going to be around to make any difference about it anyway. Mm-hmm. So then he he basically threatens to report Scott's character for, you know, going above the Call of Duty and things that he's done for him and, you know, ratting him out, out. And so he no to do that. Scott just shoots him. And Paul, uh, and Bobby's selling of him being shot. Oh, uh, it's slowly falling down. Well, by the way, if you listen very closely, you hear Stuart, our director, off camera going, bang! Yeah. <laughs> we, did a, we had a great first go at it. Oh, and then he's got phone somebody to let him know the job is done. Who is it? Oh, big intrigue to end the film. Which we didn't add credits for, for some reason. 
Mm. I would, you know, I think it would have been great if it had been me called. <laughs> like, we still think I'm a tramp. <laughs> also, what's weird is you and I spent ages, so we knew spent ages looking for a song that we could use for the chase scene. And then they took it out in the edit. What was the song we used? I can't remember. We were looking ages for it. We were trying to find a version, a proper like, quality version that actually suited the action that was happening. Do you know what we should have used? What should we use? Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a good choice. The, the chasing could have been a bit longer, but... She just is there running in the <laughs> corner, just getting that bit like, Danger Zone! <laughs> da, da, da. So we put it in, and then we sent all our resections to then it all be put together, and then in the edit, well, I'm like, I think it was true that may have put together a final version of it at what happened to the song? Where's the song, man? And he says, what song? He had like, there wasn't any song. Like, there was clearly a song. We saved the final with the song underneath it. So there's clearly... Because there wasn't exactly anything to cut out dialogue-wise. Because the only dialogue was just the sound of them running mm. down the alley. So we thought, rather than just the sound of feet, you know, clapping and everything, we thought, let's put you know, a song underneath it. Do you believe it was just Stuart down to impose his will upon it? Maybe. Maybe it was a, maybe it was a Kate decision, because I think she may have said it. I Kate don't did make a lot of wrong decisions, in my opinion. I don't know what the hell happened. But, Paul, I thought it'd be fun. Let's try and grade these films. Should we, should we do our old, like, thumbs? Oh, system? hell yes. I grade that film as... Thumbs in the middle. Thumbs in the middle, purely for my acting ability. <laughs> for a first yeah. attempt, I mean, it's bad, but there's for, some funny... For what we got out of it, mm-hmm. and for the fun we had making it, apart from that infamous day, <laughs> it was we, good. It, it was a good laugh. It was a story to tell, yeah. at least, and like it's one of those things you can go back and laugh at how bad it is. I, I do have one little bit of anecdotal stuff about it that I found really quite funny. What was that? Well, when we were filming this, the, my, mine and Bobby's scene, the, the spit from Bobby and my turn away mm-hmm. impressed Kate so mm-hmm. much that she actually thought Bobby had spat at me. <laughs> She's seen it and she was like, oh, fuck. And I was like, no, I didn't spit. I just, you know, and she was like, that was really good. And I was like, oh, thank you. I knew I anyway. <laughs> Well then, Are you questioning my abilities, woman? There's enough taking quality, I think, with this next film, The Saviour, which weirdly, I think Scott McMillan... You. Scott McMillan wrote, I think, because we had a bunch of people putting scripts in again, but Scott McMillan was put into a different group, so we were doing his script, but he wasn't in our group. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, yeah, so the story of The Saviour is very short, no, no dialogue, really, well, there's some dialogue briefly, but it's no scripted dialogue. I, I really appreciated the fact that there was no dialogue. There's no actual scripted dialogue. It's just you know, music underneath, very sad, no Ave Maria over it, and black and white. I think it was, I, I may have been one of the people that said black and white. Yeah, I yeah. remember being part, there was a group of people that said black and white. I know I was one of them, and I think it made the film better, being it in black did. and white. It was really good. really added to the drama of it. You, you know, immediately how quickly, how more, more praise we're putting on this film, I think because yeah. we had more input in it. I've got to say, even though your character was a cunt, you were really good in that movie, man. But what's the point? I not even. I wasn't even supposed to play my character. Who were you not supposed to be in it? Who was supposed to play nah. your character? So we were all meant to like take part roles in either involved in different aspects of production. So we we all did that, but we also some of us all had to be in the film. So Scott Barley was back in again as a mugger. Uh, I am the guy who gets mugged. I'm this guy who snubs you, a homeless man sitting there. Like, uh, no, I'm not, I will not give you any money. Yes, I, I'm sitting there in my tattered army jacket and jeans. and yeah, You just wore your own clothes and they said, that's perfect for your character. Yeah, yeah. But I'm sitting there in my tattered army jacket and jeans, smoking a cigarette and, you know, looking for change. And I, I put my cup out to you and you just kind of... Hmm. 
walked past me and I'm like, oh, fine, okay. And then we cut, we cut away to everything which is in this wee underpass where I get mugged and, and then you come and you save me. Yeah, I, I hear all the commotion going on I come running and I come and save you and, you and get I get shot and you leave me there to die, you I cunt. run, yes. You evil, heartless businessman. But you see, I wasn't meant to play that part because like, I think quite early on we decided for you to play that character maybe or... Maybe somebody else was maybe, but you quite early on we got put in that role, right? But my part, I know for sure, wasn't meant to be me because I believe we got another actor, a guy I knew, I, I like suggested for the role, a guy called Andrew I went to school oh, with. Oh, yeah, I remember him. And so he shows up and we we talked to him about being a film, he agrees to be in it, but then, I don't know if you remember this, how I felt like I was going to die. Uh, the day of originally filming, I think it was a Thursday we, had, we used to have Kate's class on. We yeah. on a Thursday, I wake up that day. My throat is in agony. I'm yeah. roasting. I feel like I'm. You were coming down with something nasty. I was. I, was de- I feel like I was a death door. I brought in some bunch of my own clothes as a change of clothes for somebody to wear, or maybe if I need be, if I had to fill in for a role, I could. Uh, but I was sitting and they were telling me about some stuff that was going wrong or some stuff that they didn't have, and that was stressing me. And plus, how shit I was feeling. I was. Yeah. I was starting to freak the fuck out when I came in that morning. That was <laughs> not a good morning for me. I met my auntie on the bus on the way in because she works in home bargains. So she and Claybank and she seen me and she's like, are you sure you're right? Because you don't look very well and everything. <laughs> and then I come in and I'm all stressing out and I'm standing at Kate and I'm stressing out. And so she takes me away into this other room into the wee radio station to ask me how I am. And then I tell her how I'm feeling and she looks at me and feels a warm and then looks at my throat and sees something in the back of my throat. It's like, you know, Scott, I think she says, hey, Scott, I think you should just go home. And so eventually I get sent home. Uh, I go, I go home, I collapse into my bed for a couple of hours. Oof. And then I wake up, I go to the doctors later on, they confirm I've got tonsillitis. Oh, I've, I've suffered that. It ain't fun. It is not fun. I had had, uh, I never had tonsillitis. Oh, well, I must, I must say, spend, knowing you're going to a gig during your time suffering tonsillitis and not wanting to have to deal with medication when you want to get wasted. You know, when you're suffering tonsillitis and you decide to stay up over in the evening mm-hmm. so you can take a course of medication through the evening so you can get fucked up the next day. And, you know, I have pictorial evidence of how I was that day. I look insane. <laughs> you know, on, tons- on medication for tonsillitis, a whole night of no sleep, weed and booze and at a gig. Yeah. <laughs> I looked insane. So I get sent home. I go to the doctor. I get the doctor. You know, the guy gives me a prescription for some stuff. I can't remember what I took, but I spent the whole weekend taking selling. Yeah, I took the whole. I took that over the course of the weekend. By the time we came back next week for filming, I, I felt much better. But I came back in, and then some of the guys. I can't remember why, but they said they didn't want to do the scenes they'd filmed already, or they wanted to reshoot some stuff, and so we didn't want to basically include Andrew. And so I ended up stepping into that role, yeah, and I snubbed you. There's an op- there was like a big office building across the road from the college, that's where we filmed it, yeah. like outside it, and I'm like, as if I'm coming here to look at me, business, businessman. Yeah. And they come one of my hands, like, ah, I'm on my phone, I'm not even giving you the time of day and everything. And in the film at the start, you see people walking by and everything. Mm. And those were actual people who worked in that building who were kind of coming in and walking by, and we said, oh, no, go by, it's fine, like, Right, and we just shot them from like the leg, kind of the legs, and we just really shooting people walking by and not acknowledging. It was basically the whole point. I think like nobody, nobody cares. Nobody really wants to bother with you. Like, like no, no one sees you. That's the kind of thing people walk by. They, or not people see homeless people. And they don't try and 
they pretend they not to see them and then yeah. but yeah you still as a homeless man felt they need to come and save me from when I was being mugged yeah and like we 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 did it like I don't know how I'm not supposed to see Scott coming because he fucking pelts it doing that under yeah. the, and just starts I mean how worked out as if we were like wrestlers like he comes in he knees and like oh and I'm like and like are you sure you, you're you right? I didn't get it. you did it. and I'm like no I, I just like no I'm just very good at selling <laughs> <laughs> and he's like he's got me up against a lot but for some reason like we always insist on having the two cameras set up so we can cut back and forth but like so there's a side on thing where he's got me on the wall and he's grabbed my phone and my wallet and I'm telling him like that's not all I've got please don't hurt me and all that <laughs> then they shoot another angle which was used for showing him coming sideways doing the the, the, thing. the underpass to come and attack me but then when Ezra has me against the wall it just shows him from the back and kind of partly sees me so it kind of looks like something else untoward is going on between us and that underpass. Yeah, yeah. I just, I remember at that point, like, and I'm going to stand for this, but I remember when it was getting ready for them to call my scene. Uh-huh. I was, as you know, I was just standing a little bit off. Right, yeah, I mean, just so the camera couldn't see you. Yeah, I'm just standing off behind here. the camera, and I'm, I swear to God, when you two were doing your bit, uh-huh. I'm kind of standing in the rugby stands, you know, <laughs> like, like ready to go I'm like right come on, come on. I've, I've no smoked in about 10 minutes here I'm, I'm ready to go <laughs> and then you went and, we went and said right go and I was like right fucking right you know and you've seen my run in the movie I'm not the best with running I think it was either Craig or Jay because it was an underpass people were actually coming in but we were at the the front at the bit close to the college entrance of it closest to the college so one of us had to go to this I think it was either Craig or Jacob one of the two of them had to go all the way to the other end of it Basically, tell people not to come through or to stop because mm. they were following. Like, if we were if we were in between scenes, they were just telling about it. Then we let people like through, but we had to make sure that nobody walked down and ruined the shot because it was maybe like like nobody else there except the three characters. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, you get shot, and I'm just like, oh, I run. Out. I, I I I just run up this wee uphill bit and up, so I'm like perfectly out of shot, right? And it just shows you on the ground, like and it's to your back, right? We we shot that me running away three different times. On the second day, I run up to the top of the hill, and an old woman walks by. And at that point, I have to reassure her that, oh, we're just filming something. And then she just carries on her day. Because <laughs> she just looks down and sees you on the on the ground. Like, I don't even know if she's even seen the cameras or anything yeah. like that. Because I'll run off Scott's character guns off, because he also didn't mean to actually shoot you and everything. Yeah, just like... like he runs one way, I'll run the other and everything. And then we shot everything, but like... Kate then suggested, like, we should actually have a scene of you, your characters, like, from the face, seeing your actual face as you're lying on the ground, you're now dead. And so me and you had to go and grab the camera and the tripod, went back to the actual scene, we just, I just had to have you lie on the, as soon as I set it up, I had to have you lie on the floor, and just shot a close-up of your face that we just could add in and post. Yeah. And then it was like, we shot it, and, uh, right, let's go put this back so we can go for our lunch. <laughs> No, it's, it's done. It's Aye. a wrap. Let's go. Like, come on, it's eating into our lunch over here. Yeah. I I always enjoyed lunch. It was a cigarette and a sandwich. <laughs> and occasionally a schnapple. 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 <laughs> cigarette, a sandwich and a schnapple. It was weird. It came, especially in the course of the, uh, the two years after you left, a big part of my day came, became uh, the break time in the morning, not actually lunch, but the actual break time that we took. Yeah. You get like three hours in the morning, three hours in the afternoon, sometimes if you're in for the full day. Yeah. But even if you're in just the morning, like you're still in the middle of three hours, you need to take at least a ten minute break. Yeah. So I'd always try and, especially when it's in the morning break, I'd go down the canteen and get an Empire Biscuit. He had these really massive Empire Biscuits. I really remember Nice and soft, plenty of jam inside them. And that became one of the best parts of my day. Your Empire Biscuit. 
And if I worked in and there was a day where there wasn't any Empire Biscuits, I would be very... Okay, it, would just, it just ruins your day. Yeah. It ruins your day after that. So then we spent some time putting it together and everything. We even put a wee quote on the end of the those most likely to help you are the ones... People never see. Never see and everything, something like that. And that's something very profound and then, at the then end. You, then you had that goddamn Ave Maria playing. It yeah. was so mournful. And yeah. Very sad. But I thought it was a really... It was a better... It was definitely an improvement considering Miami Shadow was our last work. Oh, no, it was good. I just, you know, mm-hmm. you know me and... Yeah. Uh, I hear Ave Maria, I think Father Ted. <laughs> you know, when he's on hold to the yeah. nuns. Yeah. She's like, oh, they start singing it. And so, so then we were editing it, and I think you remember this. I've maybe even the very last day of the course, my... I went a bit mental. Oh, yeah, I remember. Not, because I was angry at Cabe, I didn't say it too hard. No, but she was really getting on your wick, and I get it, because, like, you were you were secure and you were happy in what you were doing. You were comfortable with your editing. We, we, and every two seconds, like, you would get a bit and you'd be happy with what you got, and she's like, oh, maybe you should tweak that, or maybe you should do that. It wasn't, it wasn't even that, because, like, I, I learned more about editing uh, during the course of the latter half of the first year, and so I became... I did quite a bit of editing. Like, yeah. I think I shared responsibility with one or two other people on it. But you were quite competent with it. I was becoming quite competent. Even in, a, there's a film that I'll make briefly mention because you're not involved in it, but I did in the agency where I was primarily, like, the video editor and I did all the editing for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And it was, like, just under 10 minutes or so film, so I did a lot to put, put together. But, you know, I started becoming more and more competent, I think, with the video editing. Like, I've not done it since then because uh, I've not been known, I don't know how you download that. That software, but yeah. but like I've started becoming confident, and we showed her that same film like multiple times in the weeks leading up to in yeah, the days she, leading she up to the final it's day. Fine, you you've done good. She didn't make any suggestion I, she whatsoever. Had, she had all the time to make suggestions, and then she just threw in a suggestion. And I'm like, oh, why aren't you doing this? And I'm like, oh, like what? Like I I, had a, I I I I came to you with the finished product. You had time to make your. This is, we've just been you know? making minor tweaks over the last couple of weeks, and, and it's the final day, and like we've got a couple of hours left of the the day. Yeah, you before felt, we finish you, up for the you, day. You assumed anyway that you were fine with what you had. You thought, right, I've got this. It's competent. It's good. It's set. And we had other things to hand in, like we bit paperwork, I think, to do with other fans, and then we were finishing. We did a fun wee project where we were all making the wee Iron Brew advert for all the wee groups of four. Yeah. And we were finalising the editing of that. One of the guys over another computer editing, and I had to come back and forth between the two computers and say, ah, let's go, why don't we do this? And then coming back and finalising the bits and talking to the rest of the group about the saviour. And we're really, really... Killing it with the names so far by the way of these films, Miami Shadow and this the Savior. The names are great. Names are great, yeah. Names are better than the film half the time. <laughs> but, and then I'm going, man, so she walks up, she leaves the car, and I'm going, man, like, she had all this fucking time. But I, 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 did, I, did, like, I did, I I don't know how I'm going to do this. And everybody was kind of like, and you were going for a cigarette, so you you went, I think other people encouraged me, yes, go, you should go and say, get some air for it. So I yeah. went out go and with, with you. And continue to rant to you while you were having your cigarette outside. But I, I happily stood and let you run. I was a good, a good friend to you, there, man. You were my sounding board. I was life. indeed. I was your friend and sounding board. Inevitably, she was happy with the version we ended up giving her, and we passed. And I, met, I passed the course and everything. We went on YouTube. We put it up on YouTube and on social media, and people did see like who mum and dad, and they thought it was really good because obviously I'm still very new to everything. But, you know, that aside, the frustrations, where would you... Yeah, I think this is a different thumbs oh, up. Oh, yeah, yeah, great. I was great in it. 
Yeah, let's, let's, let's do that there again. Let a body Horowitz. Yep. Like that guy. <laughs> I should mention, uh, I did another film up that didn't involve you, and part of the reason I didn't involve you in this other film where I didn't suggest you for in the bars is there's only two male parts in this, right? And the guy, Marty, who was who came in the HNC, who was directing it, and who had, had wrote the film, he had one of the male parts, because... Uh, and the other part was a, a very skeezy, like, stepdad part. And uh, there's a scene of a... There's a very uncomfortable sexual assault scene very briefly in this film. I know it's a bit heavy for a student film, but it's very brief. And Was it the skeezy dad that done it? That did it, yes. Oh, I wouldn't have wanted so, to play that part. You, only, you had only two male roles for this film, and you wouldn't have wanted either of them, so... No. I, I, I wouldn't like to play a, a, a prick. But, like... We got actual, like, Marty did a good job of getting these professional actors in to do it, and they were very nice. We, went, and we filmed a lot of it in Marty's house, we sat and we chatted with them. That's really and good. And I was the main, like, camera guy and everything, and I had a lot of the sound. So I was basically the production person on this. Yeah. Uh, Marty was Marty was the director and everything, he was handling everything the actors. Uh I had to one of the issues though is this is a trick for this film we managed to use a new tripod which had wheels on it so we could move it around and help no, each other better. That would have been good. But then I had to like, take some stuff home with me out and so I had to carry it over. So I had to bring like Mario took the tripod and no, Mario took the camera bag and the GoPro that we're gonna use and I had to bring the tripod over. So he lives in Rutherglen, so I had to Jeez. carry the carry the tripod to the train station, get the train to Rutherglen and then he would pick me up and take me to Jesus and then I had to carry it back when I got back to the train station and everything. <laughs> the thing is, this tripod, the tripods and the care bags are often heavy at the best thing, but usually they can manage. The ones with the, the wheels on them are even heavier, so I was fucking struggling with this thing. <laughs> you get you, you got your exercise that day. Oh, yeah. So, we had to put that film together, but and this, I know it seems weird to say, but... The, the actually filming the uh, the assault scene is was actually funny because this is how we did it. Like the, the last day, we had Marty lie on the bed with the camera pointing upwards, <laughs> and the woman last day uh, kind of who last day playing but when who gets assaulted uh, with a pile of Marty's. Yeah, and we were filming it. And he was, so he was filming. She's seen our lines off camera, and the guy he's standing over. He was a nice guy. He felt a bit weird about yeah. the scene, but we managed, you know, like managed to get it out of him. We, we talked about it, and we thought of a way we were going to do it and everything. But so we, Fiona's the name of the lassie in it, who's a pal of Marty's. We're sitting off to the side, right, trying not to be seen in the house while he lying. The guy basically has to lie on the bed and make kind of movements as if he's been as if yes. he's assaulting the woman. Yes, and uh, we filmed some weird stuff. Uh, we filmed a couple of blurry shots. I thought that may mean a lot to her as a child, and so basically we're cutting that in between him assaulting her, which is maybe like so you try to remember happier times and like yeah, to try yeah. not forget what's happened to her. Try to try to like yeah. sort of mentally take herself yeah, so, away from yeah, so it. the editing. That that really is quite dark. Yeah, yeah. there's some dark shit. She kills herself at the end. Oh, for fuck's sake! Yeah, it's a dark fucking movie. Yeah, you, God, man. I know. To blame Marty, he wrote it. Oh, fuck's sake, Marty. If you met Marty, you wouldn't think that that something so dark could come out of him. <sighs> Always has to be a Marty, doesn't it? Looks, <laughs> a, looks a weak link in it, you know? A Marty Gennetti, Marty the film guy. Oh. But like, and that we, makes it worse that Marty Gennetti is a pair of... Like, me and Fiona are sitting off to the side, right? And so he's making these movements over Marty, who's sitting there with the camera, like, very close to his chest, right? Filming up at it. 
and he's just and it's on Marty's bed. So he's making the movements, but the bed is creaking. Good God! And so me and Fiona are off to the side. We're, we're putting our hands over Miss because we're trying not to laugh because it's actually <laughs> when you see the way it's happening. This guy, he's in his foyer than in that weird like sleeveless vest go over <laughs> over Marty and he's still close with this camera looking up at him and we're trying to laugh we're trying to remember the fact, what the hell the context of the scene is going to be in the end of it but like and the bed's going we were trying our best not to laugh at it and you couldn't help it yes oh mm-hmm. it's a hard one to do <laughs> but like it's it's a very deep film I'd actually give it a thumbs up even though you haven't seen it like well, I'd, maybe... I'd, I'd love to see it if I was if you were ever, ever able to show me it yeah I'll, yeah I'll show you but like uh, he Mar- the purpose of the film is Mari is the represent physical representation of Fiona's life oh right so, like, right. so we see all these films these moments of her life going through like we have a wee young girl I think he's maybe his wee cousin playing the younger version of her, and then we have Fiona come in as the older so version. Is it like a like a sort of flashback or some kind of like mental retrospective or it's something? Kind of a retrospective of her life. Like he says, "Oh, you come in contact with your life at the beginning of your life and the end." So we have a woman come in who plays her mother. He touches her, and then that's when she becomes pregnant. And that starts her this character's life. Right, yeah, right. right. And we film some, film some scenes set to music with. Uh, with a young version of Sam, and then we film scenes of just them, and then scenes with Marty in the background, where like he's basically he's a physical representation of life, so he can't be seen by the other characters, but he's always there. Yeah, it's actually a really good concept when you think about it. And then he's uh, then through the scenes of the, as a child, her as a child, you see that this guy, older guy, is not the nicest person to him, her or mother. And then get the scene assaulted, and then there's a scene I think I had some input in in this where we were chatting with Marty what to do. And basically, she's writing a note to her mum before she ends it. Yeah, yeah. So like, and like, so we filmed the scene twice where it's just her by herself, and then it's Marty like giving her the speech to not do it, but he's not, but she can't see him. So we're cutting back and forth between the two, where he's there and he's speaking, and there's a scene where it's just her, but you can still hear his voice, which is basically how he sees it because he can see her, but she yeah. can't see him. She's begging her not to do it's it. It's really fucked, not fucking dark, man. A lot of people try to question it, and I, I didn't know, know what to say to them, because what she does is she actually, I think, steps out in the middle of the road, because oh, it's just her walking over, and then you see her... I haven't even seen this film already. It's making me sad. Well, I, I know it's, it's a weird film. Like when I, I haven't thought about it in a long time, but then... Tell me this, though, because I, I just want to make sure I'm not getting mm-hmm. myself lost here. Right, this abuse, right? Mm-hmm. Does it happen... Uh, as an adult or as a child? No, as an adult. Right. Well, She's only 20. It doesn't maybe. make it any better, but She's at least she wasn't not, a fucking child. No, 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 we wouldn't do that. That that would have been a step too far. Yeah, it's a first student film. Yeah, yeah, yeah that would have been a bit too dark. But, I, but weirdly, as dark as the subject matter is, I had a lot of fun doing it. We did it over the course of two days, and it was a lot of fun to oh, film. Hell, hell yeah! Like it's for the for what you, from how you're describing it, it sounds like it'd be a really good gripping. Mm-hmm. How long did it last? Like, what was the length of it? Well, it was of course the two days, but we we shot pretty much early in the day till about mid afternoon something. Right, so right. Uh, we found it over the course of two days, all in Marty's house and like out some exterior like, outside the what house. What was the running time of this film? It had to be just under 10 minutes, just maybe. Just under 10. Maybe, something like that. So, slightly longer than the two films that we already talked about. Yeah, but no, I'd love to see that. But like, oh. the funny thing was, uh, for me at the end of the, the film, like, honestly, it did got... You, did you edit out with squeaky bed? Yeah, 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 there was, uh, some, we put some stuff underneath that and everything. Yeah. Uh, 
And we shot some scenes with like a GoPro and everything. Wasn't you your technical shit? GoPros and shit. Man. Yeah, I feel like there was uh, a scene outside of the end of the film, which makes that where basically she's ended it, but then, yeah, she, yeah. then she's able to see Marty and they both walk off together at the end of the film because it's the end of her life and he's taking off. They're it's walking a, off into the sunset. It's sort of bittersweet. Yeah, and we put this yeah. like soft piano music over it. But you see, actually doing that, where it was. There was a road, almost a main road, or turn. There's a main road at the side of it, and the cars were could come down in the yeah. street. So to actually film the shot of them finally walking away, I had to stand with the camera in the middle of the road. Good God! With my back to the turn in where the cars come. Luckily, no, no cars came. I filmed that in action, and they walked off. And I thought I'd try to judge just how far away, like it was good, was good enough to cut there because also we're not going to show the full thing because as they're mid walk away, that's when we both cut to credits. Right? Did, did they? Did you have it filmed in the sense like did they walk off or did they fade out? What no, was not the... the far. They just keep walking off. Basically, it's a long road, but it's the idea of them walking off to whatever the afterlife. Yeah, is. Yeah, walking off to where afterlife. Yeah, basically, and basically, I'll judge how far away from the camera was good enough because the way we were just get cut from them walking both to credits, right? As yeah. the, as the piano music was playing, and it. And I'm actually having some good memories. Actually, thinking back to it. Now. Yeah, yeah, you do. You do sound. You're you're very <laughs> yeah. positive about it. But then, like, but like, um, the whole time as it's happening, I'm very much paranoid because I'm like looking at the camera, look behind me, <laughs> the camera, look behind me, so I don't get run over. Yeah. Because would have been weren't too ironic if one of us got run over in the filming of this. Given at the end of it, she takes her life by getting run over by a car. Which people question this. Why does she? Why is that? Why is that her preferred method? And I'm like, I don't know. Ask Marty. I did not direct this. I didn't write this shit. I'm just filming this, man. And so we, we film and film it. And as soon as that, I think it's good enough, I, I cut and I'm like, right, let's get the fuck out of the road. <laughs> and weirdly, we're in the middle of rolling and then I see this old woman come by, talk to Mario, who obviously kind of knows because she lives in the same street as him. Yeah. Oh, what are you doing? You're filming something about rolling and she was joking and they were talking. And I'm like, I recognise you. And I did recognise her. She was a teacher I had at school. Ah. <laughs> Miss McKenzie, she was called. I had her every so often. She was kind of like, she would kind of take over some classes, but then she, I think her main subject was English. And then that's, you know, and it, she, it took, I think it's been a while since she didn't make it, and then she kind of noticed, like, oh, yes, and she fairly recognised me. <laughs> which was a wee bit, which was a weird idea. I did not think of all people I would see her when uh, I was out filming. I've, I've only ever bumped into teachers from school once, and it yeah. was many fucking moons ago. Mm-hmm. Whilst I was wasted, <laughs> funnily enough, I was I was in the I was in the pub in Partick. Yeah. Like used, you know, uh, Gallus in Partick. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. Well, point. when I used to go to it quite frequently when it was the solid rock west, mm-hmm. you know, and me and Brian used to get were well, eye rolled by the barman because we basically hogged the jukebox most of the time we were in there. Mm-hmm. But we'd been in there, me, Brian, were significant others at the time, and when mate Oz was mm-hmm. there too, and we'd came out of the pub to go up the road, we were pissed, you know. And across the road was my maths teacher and my English teacher who were out for the night out and I went to see them, like, oh, fucking, I went, oh, fucking, oh, fucking, oh, fucking, Mr. Mrs. Yeah. And I went running out of the road and I was like, Miss, Mr., I can't remind his name now, yeah. but she was Mrs. Gold or something. I was like, Mr., you and Mrs. Gold, how you doing? I have no fucking, how you doing? And they were like, you know what? Like, uncomfortable person who's more sober than you are kind of thing yeah and they were like ah paul how you doing and he you know that, that tone sometimes yeah. if your teacher bumped into you we'll go i'm no mad i'm just disappointed <laughs> you know he gave me that tone as if to say i figured this is where you would be after you left school <laughs> you know in the pub bluttered you know and i was like 
Hello, how you doing? And like, well, I, we all just getting pissed, you know. I've not thought about this on just how dark it is. I, I, I considered it at the time, but I, after we filmed like that particularly very uncomfortable scene, like the rest of the film, even though we were doing with weird, with very delicate subject matters. Yeah, well, like, suicide and abuse. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. It's not it's not a cheery. Yeah. Popcorn and soda movie. Yeah, but like even though we're dealing with that, we were all like talking and like, how do you think it's like? We did film a lot for stuff for me, like choose from the edit because like Marty went at least two or so attempts at every scene just to make sure, like just as a just in case thing. Yeah. Which which over the course of the day, especially when we got to the end, was a bit would be a bit frustrating for me, but I get why. Why? Why purposes, it was? Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, so and then like, the actors, especially with Fiona, was when very easy to talk to and everything. And when we're we'd break in the melody for a while to have lunch, and we all sit in Marty's kitchen, we'd all be chatting and everything. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like a fun time. Yeah, so it was, it was a fun time as well. Uh, Marty did film another film, which, and I think Marty did go did like pursue other filming kind of endeavors because like he submitted this other film he would do in the HND to like some film festival. I don't know how he got on, but yeah, it was do, you, do, you, do you keep in touch with him? No, he wasn't, he, he wasn't somebody I talked to outside of like actually working with him. But yeah. I enjoyed doing the film with him. You enjoyed you enjoyed your time working with the man. Yeah, and uh, he he filmed this other film called First. Uh, boy, part of it's filmed through Snapchat because I mean, the guy's on a night out and everything, mm. which. It's a, it's a neat way of doing it, and it's kind of current and everything. And it, the, the character is gay because Marty's gay, so I'm, I'm right about what you yeah, know. Yeah, and everything. Yeah. But, and uh, it seems like he's going out to first, as in first, as in he's losing his virginity. But no, it's, he's actually losing for his first kill, and that's a big twist at the end of the ah, film. Ah, right, and, right. So he took out of the bed, and then they get, you see the cat, main character sneakily grabs the knife, and then just cut the board because of like he's thinking and like that. And he, I remember him showing to the class and watching, like, huh, that's actually a very good film, didn't they? <laughs> But then, look, but I'm sure Paul wants us to get back to us talking about his acting ability. Well, I, I, I do, but I, I very much yeah. enjoyed your tale of that movie. It was, it was oh. very. I'm, I'm very intrigued. I'll send you a link to it because I don't know if I want to be with you when you watch it because I, I don't know if I want. As much as fun as I'm reminiscing, I don't know if I want to watch it again. You don't want to be traumatized by it twice. Yeah, but there's some really fun like, editing in there as well. Yeah, I think so. Well, I, I'd love to get a link to see it because it does, it does sound like it. A dark but gripping piece of work. Yeah. So, uh, we're sorry, there's a, this is a random bit, but when we were just chatting ourselves in between bits, uh, I was chatting with them, and uh, Fiona was talking. We were talking about relationships and everything like that. I think, uh, and Fiona was saying how she was no longer seeing somebody and everything. And then Marty turns to me and says, "You're single, aren't you?" And I wasn't. I would soon be afterwards, sadly. Yeah, but, yeah. But I like. I just kind of took the piss out of, out of him because I went. No, and I don't like how assuming your tone was there. <laughs> <laughs> ah, surely nobody's nobody's wasting their time with you. <laughs> and it was I knew he didn't sure, mean, but surely you're single. I mean, like you. you. <laughs> <laughs> but then we went to Angel D, and I made two movies. You know, one of it is an actual film, part of the film class. The other was for our creative group, which is our big end of year project, and you can do a couple of things for it where. You can make a radio show, which I did from HNC, which I didn't realise you had to be, oh, it's had to be 15 minutes long. Yeah. Because I had to talk with you and Sam, and it ended up being 25 minutes, and so I had to do some big edits, which I think affected him. Like, why can it not just be like, no, why don't you tell that for him? Because you really fucked up, you know, the actual ebb and flow, the natural ebb and flow of the conversation. Or, and so I'd say make a 15 minute short film, because I wanted to do, like, a second film in the last year to really 
stretch and show any ability that I had in terms of directing or editing and filmmaking, shit like that. Yeah. So I was confident in my audio and editing abilities because we'd already started the podcast by that point, I think. Yeah, we yeah, had. We, we had. We were, we, had. Early, we were early in our first year at that point. We, we were just new to the podcasting lineups. Yeah, we were, yeah. I think we may mention our projects a wee while every so often there because we, in between film, doing the podcast, we were filming so often. Uh, and so... You were involved in both my projects. My first one was a film I'd, I'd I, written. I'm sorry to cut in on you, Scott, but I'd just sure. like to say I know it's not part of our thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle, but I would like to say from how you describe <laughs> your film that you had done, mm-hmm. I would like to say as dark as, a, as a st- the subject matter was, it sounds like it would be a thumbs up. Yeah. So kudos to you, man. Thank you. I was, I was main production. A lot of the ideas and that came from Marty and not even the director and everything. Well, kudos to you and kudos to Marty. But I made sure, but I, made sure I, I made a station where I thought necessary. Yeah, there was a bit. Sorry, there's a thing about the start where a car is making. We had a two shots of a car going by, and then we did, we did a second time where this time where it goes by, Marty's made to appear. So one yeah. day we go, well, there's nothing there, and then one time where Marty's just standing there, so we can go from nothing there to boom, Marty's there, <laughs> and then he's wandering in the house. And there's a bit where he just stops outside the door at the end of the shot, and so I just shouted at him, "Go into the fucking house, Karen, go into the light." So we had to film again. Worst thing we actually wanted is because then we're gonna film on the inside of him walking in. So like I thought it'll be easier cut between if you just open the door. Yeah. Because if you just stand there, it's gonna be weird. So it's just me across the road, the cat by the cat, just shouting, "Go in the fucking house!" The street was very quiet at that time. But they left. So I wrote a film for the video project. Uh, video course part of the course and i wrote a part in it specifically for you because i wanted to try and get you involved as many projects i was involved in as possible yes get me back in the college any way you can pretty much yeah so yeah. i got you involved and i wrote a part really it was a phone call one in one out when i was writing it i was very optimistic about it i was fantastic in this film i really was i don't i don't mean to be a cocky prick but i was great basically a man's clinging to life he, he can see him he's, he's having this everybody experience he can see himself in a hospital bed he's like then he meets an angel played by paul yep a very dark angel like <laughs> like we even have a scene where he like what happened to the heel and the wings oh that's all hollywood shit this is an angel's dress yeah like, was- it's just you wearing your normal clothes I mean, you had to figure it out. I was wearing a goddamn pentagram, man. Well, I didn't think of that at the time. <laughs> but, uh, but then, like, oh, God's got a weird sense of humour. So I, I threw in some weird jokes from you. But I thought, I was happy when I wrote it. And I thought, that'll be good if Paul said that. Saying, like, wait, Paul's way of saying things. That'll yeah. be something funnier. Let's, let's be honest with people now, though. I, I had a lot of issue remembering script. I remembered the meat of the script and ad-libbed most of it. Yeah, yeah. You so know? we Figure in and around how you make that work. So what we did, I I was great. <laughs> what we did is when Paul's maybe giving me the terms of this contract, he's got a bit of paper. What people can't see is that's his actual script. Yeah, on paper. I, I played it off well. So I'm trying to like remember my own lines. I acted in the film. I was I didn't want to. Uh, you're sensing a theme here. Uh, so he's uh, acting, and I'm trying. Remember my own lines, but uh, well, more than remember my own lines, I'm trying to basically coach you along yeah, you're to remembering your own line. We're sitting in this bus shelter, it's cold, it's windy, 
or maybe outside because it was a bit inside the hospital. But yeah. well, we filmed in an actual hospital. We managed to get everyone in an actual hospital I, to film in. Let, let's, let's describe what's seen low. We're sitting at a bus stop. You're sitting looking how you usually look in your hoodie and t-shirt and such. Yeah, I thought, like, just, yeah, we're, just we're, we're wearing our clothes because, like, uh, I've seen, like, versions where people die and they usually wear and they're becoming ghosts and they wear what they died in. So just, like, regular yeah. clothes and everything. But so. I turn up and I'm wearing... A black, a black, a black suit, and well, black suit trousers and a black shirt, a heavy black jacket, hair, black nail hair, polish. Your hair was quite long at that point. My hair was very long. I'm wearing pentagrams and nail polish and rings, and you're like, "Where's the angel wings and shit?" And I'm like, "Come on, man, that's just Hollywood shit, man." Uh, you know, you know, I just wear what the fuck I wear, man. Uh-huh. Uh, and so you know, I, I wrote lines. Once I figured you made, I wrote lines and tried to think about how you'd say them. And all yeah. that. <laughs> Didn't consider how you'd fucking remember them, but you know. Yeah, well, you know, hangovers are a bitch, you know. But I didn't want to play me. I wanted to find another actor to play this part, but I don't. I, I caught up in other college working things of putting a script together that I never found the time to properly cast somebody in this role. And so I thought, oh, fair enough, I'll like because I I thought I was decent enough in the savior, even though I didn't have to do much. But no, you were you were very good in the movie. I man. was not. You were. You I were wasn't. good, man. You were good. You you're selling yourself short here. Man. I remember in six year drama, I did uh, in six year I did drama, and I remember doing very well in that drama. But I thought. Ah, well, after doing this, I thought, ah, yes, clearly I'm a stage actor, not a screen actor. You are a thespian. I am a professional actor. You are an actor. (laughs) (laughs) I die, Horatio. (laughs) Surprised you didn't do that when you got shot, like, I die, you bastard. (laughs) (laughs) I die, you bastard. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Anywho, <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't want to do this, but like I, I was so awkward about it. We forgot he probably set up the mics while we were preparing. We had Craig, poor Craig behind the camera doing a lot of technical work while we did our scene together. We had to go back inside because uh, we're freezing, so we had to go back inside. Properly, I mean you run through the script a bunch of times, then go back out and film it again. Yeah, yeah. And because we were doing that, and you were like, "Have you got it?" And I was like, "Yeah, mostly. I've got it. I've got enough." Okay. You know. There was one thing we were watching it back beforehand, which I was still about because uh, I stopped and like uh, uh, because you were meant to interrupt me, and in the scene, but you were a few seconds off in there. But I thought I'll have you smoke because you, I know you like a smoke. So I thought an excuse to have Paul smoke on screen, and because uh, I might be dying anyway, and I'm, I'm complaining about you smoking. Like, oh, what's it gonna do? Kill you? Uh, <laughs> this is a scene made for Paul. Oh, what you think is going to kill you, man? Mm. And then I, I just casually just blow smoke at you. Like, fucking, come on, man. You're dead anyway. But Paul, you you can vouch for this how stressed I was the day we actually had to go shoot in the hospital. Oh, you were you were pissy that day. I was very stressed. All right, I had to put the thing together. You had to go click Seb. So what we did is we drove, like like Craig drew drove me to the hospital with the camera and equipment. I went inside, found the person I'd been talking to about using the room. They took me up there while he, well, Craig drove you to go get seven. He just came back. And also, our pals, uh, Jacob and, and Scott. If Jacob and Thomas, I think, was there as well. They, they, oh, Jacob, if by chance you ever listen to our show, hello, well. <laughs> he'll know what it means. <laughs> he'll know, he'll know. But So then they were coming separately. So I went up and got set up and everything. But then I was wondering where they were. They said they'd come in a different way, so they didn't know where they were, exactly they were going. So I had to go. I was very worried about leaving the aquarium because I was convinced someone would nick it. Yeah. But thankfully they didn't. I brought them back up, and then you guys came in. 
You told Seth to go hide in the cupboard while we were filming for some reason. I thought that would be best. No, tell me go behind the camera. Well, yeah, I didn't think of it then. <sighs> and then I had to wear this. They gave me this hospital gown. They let me lie in this bed. They said it was obviously clean and everything. But I'm like, we, we, we didn't get a shot of me like close up in the bed. We just got me from a certain angle. Which we then had to then shoot me lying on a white background l- did, later on. We did get a close up of your face in the bed, though. No, there was another bit where we had to get a proper close up of my face where we had to shoot it separately and me lying on a white background because we didn't get it in the bed. Because oh, yeah, we filmed it in that weird little room in the college, I think. Because we, we did a. We did the, the hospital scene. We seen a couple, one or two shots of me in the bed, which we needed from before me, my conversation with you and then afterwards. Yeah. But I. Once we did those shots, I didn't think to get a close-up of myself because I all I could think was, like, someone's probably died in this garden or this bed. I want to get out of this as soon as possible. Were you having the weird gross paranoia? I still had my clo- my proper clothes on underneath the garden, by the way. I just took my jacket and that off. I just Thank goodness for that. Think, well, I didn't think it was necessary, and, yeah, again, I didn't think you guys would want to see that. No <laughs> no one needs to see that, God. No one. Yeah. So we, we do this scene... Uh, We've got to have Jacob and Scott be my family members because that's all that we could get at the time. Yeah. Them feigning emotion at the possibility of my impending death. What was it? What was your directing? Sit there and look sad, you bastards. What else was there? You're uh, in a hospital, this guy's clinging to life. He, he is we your had, family. We had beeping in the background, even though there were no machines in the room for me to be hooked up to. But I don't know how we exactly would have figured that. It was just beeping. It could have been someone else's beeping. Yeah. So... Well, we fucked up continuity-wise because we had to do another shot of me in the hospital lobby, which is just the lobby of the, the college. Uh, and me, like, wandering, talking to people, but they don't see me. And then I see Scott McMillan and I wander and I follow him. Uh, but he's wearing different clothes in that scene. And then I may fall into the whole scene where he's, again, wearing different clothes. Yeah. But I'm wearing the same clothes, so continuity-wise, it's all fucked up. But anywho. It's all fucked up, yeah. And then we got the scene with you... And then you you tell me that the concept of the one in one out where I can guess I can chance there. Yeah, I'm like, but look, I, you can, you can. I'm like, look, dude, you sign this, you mm-hmm. can get a second, you can get a second chance, but there's a catch to it. And yeah. you're like, what's the catch? And I was like, well, if you sign this, someone mm-hmm. else will take your place, someone else will die. And you're telling me all the pros and cons. Tell me about like, oh, it could be anybody. It could be somebody who. Who, why is your life more valuable? Than yeah, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to see if you're worthy of the, the I, option A. I gave you all the best lines, basically. You did not killed it. And I'm just asking myself, like, why? Oh no, I don't care. You're just trying to trick me and all that. Yeah, but I, I killed, man. That was great. Yeah, and then you basically guilt tripped me into it because it could come at a cost <laughs> of somebody I care about and everything. <laughs> so then I, I look at it and I'm signing the wee deal and everything, and then I, I stole the sign from uh, from Open All Hours. Where you shake my hand after the deal, and I'm looking at myself again, and then you go, "Well done," and you certainly have been. Yeah. Arca, I am in a different part of the college where it's meant to be purgatory. We shot a shot of the water outside. I I loved Craig and I see where he just walks up to you and goes, "Hey, welcome to purgatory." How are you doing? You're in purgatory now. <laughs> we were doing this. I don't know if it maybe doing the final cut or anything, but it might have because it was one of the only shots we could do. But like, we're in the middle of the scene for a bit of it to be explained why I've been doing everything. And I give a young lassie going by. It's in the middle. It's in the college, so we can't help but have people walking by. Yeah. And a young lassie shouts, "Bogies!" 
<laughs> right over right over what was maybe an important line right through big revelation of that. I've been hoodwinked basically. But uh, anywho, you've apart taken from my her life, rudeness. You've taken my life basically and like he Craig has shown me how I've been duped and everything. Yeah, I, I get to live and you go to purgatory. Yes, basically. And then it's just you walking out of the hospital. We show it in the clear shot of the hospital then cut to you, close of a set of doors, which is actually the college doors. Yeah. And we got Avon Maria playing again because Kate said, Oh we needed some copyright free. I wanted to use a couple of different songs. One of them I can remember is The Calling by the Killers, which is which has a bunch of stuff to do with like heaven and shit like that involved in some of the lyrics. Or like and it has a line like the face of the signal I want to use it had the line the brother just lean into the light or whatever and like I thought that you know fits in the theme of death and everything so a lot. I wanted to use the end scene of that. There's a lot of like dum dum if it's an end you that that the dum dum like with that with you smiling like I've just Fucking done it, and I like you happy that you've tricked me and everything like yeah. that. Yeah, that I thought that would have been great, but again, Kate was telling me about copyright and all that shit, so I had to use some shit really free Abby Maria. And then I remember doing that scene with you. My main direction to you was like went out for the smile. Like think about it, you've just fucked somebody over, and you're really happy about it. Just think about how you'd smile in that situation, and then just do it. And I did. <laughs> yeah, and I was I was awesome. Mm-hmm. And do you know what? Despite the fact you sell yourself short, you were awesome too. But I'll tell you why. Your direction, I thought, was great. Mm. And if, if by some horrid chance I'd have had to act that scene with someone else, mm. I don't think I would have killed it like I did. Because it was only through your direction and the fact that you accepted my intense ad-libbing mm-hmm. It let it work, do you know what I mean? And it wasn't too far off what I'd written. No, I just, I just kind of, like, I think the thing that I struggled with was a sort of, like, you did write it mm-hmm. just a tad uniformly, you know what I mean? It didn't feel so free-flowing. Yeah. So I just kind of, like, I took the meat of it and just kind of worded it differently, yeah. basically. Yeah, I'm fine with you feeling like getting the same points out but in a different way. Yeah. But it didn't have to be the exact words, but as long as the same points flow through and the same themes that I'm trying to explore, like, the yeah, idea of, yeah. of valuing one life over another was the basic concept of the film. Totally, totally. And, I, and, and to give myself some credit, I did write, uh, which, well, what the hell was what I've been doing most of this film, this, this podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I thought I wrote a decent script. I... If I just stuck to the director and saying didn't have to act in it, then I would have been better off. And I think also given the G and I've still saw in some aspects I was still unprepared because some of the exterior, some of the like stuff in like in post I do like get like the shot of me on the floor, or me reading the contract with Claire again in another room. Yeah, and, and some of the filler takes I put in to make the the script of the contract longer. Did you take was, the contract? No, I put I put the actual like words there, and then just put a bunch of filler text in there. Right, I thought we right. could have, I thought we could have passed it off as though it's Latin angels, all that shit. Today. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So like there were some weird and issues with continuity with them. Just quickly go back and post and fill in some other shit to fill fill in some of the stuff. Like because like what, there was one shot we were <laughs> you should, sorry cutting right. But you know, in that little bit, you when it, you were reading it and it yeah. showed the close up, it should have said the like, thing in Family Guy. He's signing it. He's signing it. I can't believe it. He's actually signing it. <laughs> like originally, we were in the in the room where we we're doing the purgatory, but that was meant to show a shot of the contract rather than the what we actually did because uh, we did a GoPro and then only when we got back to the the classroom and we put the GoPro footage in, we were sort of walked way out to put the GoPro because they looked the same either way, and then we put we did the GoPro. We came back. Footage was upside down. Yeah, yeah. So we had to then reshoot that. So, like, if I'd been a bit more prepared for and got in a few extra shots when we were doing the key, like, hospital scene yeah. and the purgatory scene, 
and I didn't have to act. I thought I would have to be higher, but like of the two, of the two, if I'd just been the writer, director, and just like be in charge of that side, not had to worry about lines and everything. If you had just simply been the Clive Barker of your movie. Basically. Yeah. Look, I'm sure we could have got somebody who, who we could have done a read through between you to try and get that chemistry going because, you know, because I'm sure we could, if somebody, if we'd find somebody with enough acting ability, oh yeah, yeah, we could have gone back and forth, and hopefully they would have been an understanding of your, you know, like having to take the time to learn the lines and everything. Yeah, so, I think I think it was mainly just the anxiety I get yeah, sometimes. Yeah. With you know what I mean, it's, I think, be, it's better. Like, see, when I was working with like, you or somebody that like, I'd grown to know on the yeah. course, I was good. You know, I think it's the fact that you're working mainly with me and Craig that if I were able to take the time to oh, yeah, get the yeah. lines like. Like sort nailed down everything. And by that, by that point, I, w- I would like to think I knew I was so sound with you, but I would like to think I was pretty solid with Craig as well because I like Craig. Yeah, good guy. Good guy. Don't see enough of him. <laughs> well, we haven't seen him for fucking ages now. Well, yeah. hey, Craig, how you doing, man? We uh, then we did one thing off him for the graded unit, and it was a thing I had been wanting to write about for nearly a year because I've written a version of the script a year, or at least the concept of it, or yeah. the outline of it a year earlier about fake news, that was becoming a big subject, this is circa 20, well, it was the end of 2016 when I wrote in the original version of the concept, and uh, Kate said there were elements of Black Mirror in my script, and then I hadn't seen Black Mirror, so I went away and watched Black Mirror over the year, and they're like, oh, I do see where this is going to come from, and then I thought about that as I was going back and writing it. I was watching that before mm. you got here, mm. I was watching Black Mirror. And then, so then, in 2017, in the final year when we were doing it, I thought, well, Trump's and president, the whole fake news is a big buzzword. Let's let's make let's go back and do a full version of this script yeah, and make, it out. Make this film in in that kind of sense. Yeah, and also some of the thing details that happened in the film wouldn't happen in real life, but it was a kind of a exaggeration of how quickly fake Think, news can spread in yeah, today's media how and everything. Quickly it spreads like wildfire and so many people like, and, and some you know, pe- and some people will like lack of interest in actual publishing facts and things like that. Yeah, and the, the amount of people that would so easily latch onto like, what is essentially lies and just spread it so, and so, get excited about it, you know? So, so again, I think from an actual writing perspective, I did a, a decent job. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just filled in with a bunch of stuff that was kind of prevalent to the time, like fake news, Brexit, referendums, Trump, immigration, shit, blah, shit blah, like blah, that. yeah. Yeah. You know, it's real political shit here, which I'm yeah. not used to. And shit then, to make you think, man. And then I put it together. It's weirdly, when we were, when we were watching back, which I'd saved on a drive somewhere, where it doesn't show the fucking timestamps that I had included, because I wanted to show like things like Monday is this time, and then yeah, like, yeah. Tuesday, like, and show how quickly the things escalate in the film. I'm, I must say right now, before we go any further, uh-huh. I'm not so impressed with my acting in this one. I didn't kill it in this one. Yeah, why not? Well. In in one out, one in one out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. Well, we forgot to grade one in one out. Oh, that's a thumbs up. In terms of an overall package, if we're doing my acting, it's a thumbs middle to down. But no, it's closer to up in terms of an overall package. That's a great film. Thumbs up. I mean, I made some mistakes, but I had to think I had to make some mistakes. But no, my acting in this film did not kill. <laughs> it 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 sucked what, because the... look, and I'm sorry to cut in again, but. With one in one out, right? Where I where I, I did do a lot of acting in that mm-hmm. one, as opposed to like the Savior or mm-hmm. you know Miami Miami Shadow. With that, I I hated the fact in that that I was I was I was so unprepared, uh-huh. you know, and I was I was 
I mean, I did portray a a, 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 a bit of a stressed out psycho conspiracy as well, but. You know, the fact that I kept looking at the page every two seconds and stuttering, that bothered me. I, I think, yeah, because like, we, we said that, oh, he's printed the, that you'd printed the story off and you're talking about it. Really, you were looking at the script. Yeah, That's what yeah. you were doing. Because your role was this conspiracy theory making all these weird videos on YouTube and you're reading the story and you're saying, this proved my things, Illuminati, royal family, all that shit, don't be like, cheap people. That kind of shit. If there was ever a chance to remake that film, yeah, I would love to remake it and make my part Better, just so. If you're ever thinking of making a sequel, what, what would you do to make it better? Learn the goddamn script. <laughs> Simply put, learn the goddamn lines. Fair enough. You know, or better yet, have instead of having them in my fucking hand, which may have been a better idea. What uh, the better idea would have been to have a big black writing sellotaped under the goddamn <laughs> camera. <laughs> You know, a non-moving auto cue because I remember when we did auto cues in college. And oh, good God, I sucked at that. Yeah, I remember you were doing a version before we did. We had you basically reading the script. We were you were doing a version. You were doing a take, and it wasn't quite the best. I could tell it wasn't quite the best. You were kind of stumbling over, and then I think you got to my face was kind of as a director. I was kind of yeah. Like, you were. I was oh, not God. happy with what I was getting from you. Yeah, and you just kind of stopped and slightly whispered, "Is this bad?" And I went. And to try and spare your feelings, but also be a bit truthful, I went, kinda, yeah. <laughs> so basically, we just cut it there, and then we do, we, we went again. And I thought, like, here's the basic idea, here's them, but like, I think that guy of like, your character would say, but also feel free if you have any feelings about government and shit like that, or like, or the way the world works right now, feel free to throw them in there. Yeah, just feel free to improvise there. You're like, just say something, man, anything. We also had our, uh, Scott McMillan back in again uh, as a character called Max Powers or Max Wilson or whatever, who basically was meant to be an Alex Jones parody. He, he was good. He was maybe, he hosted this great Alex Jones Infowars style show, and basically I gave him one real note, which was to mention the website News First, which is the main character's thing where he's published this fake story, it's spreading everywhere and everything. Yeah. Mentioned that, and Craig gave had that guy credit because he fits into your ideology and everything. But other than that, I just, just go for it. And he he went with it talking about Trump and all that and uh, basically big cons- the main conspiracy theorist of the time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was he was all he was one stop short of just talking about fucking gay frog, which Alex Jones once ranted about. What the fuck is gay frog? I'll, I can show you a clip of Alex Jones after this. Okay, okay. Good Christ. <laughs> so yeah, the guy Craig, not the Craig we know, but a different Craig. Craig, Craig that we know was behind the camera working with me, yeah. but we had a different Craig who was an actor. No, we did a lot of the filming of his scenes in my house where he was at the computer. We put up a, we set up a blog specifically for this, uh, which only has two posts because he posts twice in the film. Yeah, yeah. And we sh- we have that. We have him filming in my house, my living room, and then he and post. I sent him like the script. I'll have him look at the script, tell him to record his voice and different scenes of it, and basically in in post we put over his voice and so yeah. he never actually said anything on screen but we have hear his voice his inner monologue basically yeah. his narration of the escalation of events that happen and then obviously that happens we have this guy I can't remember his name but the guy was that I think he'd worked with Scott before uh, and so he came, news reader guy? And he came as a newsreader one I didn't probably have one or two bits that were maybe for him so then he had to learn those as he remember those as he was doing about there are some stuff that he had remembered but then we realised that He's get he's maybe reading off Telborn, he's been giving news, breaking news as it's happened. So I'm um, reading stuff, looking down, reading stuff, not being so sure of it. 
actually helped his performance in a way. Yeah, I know. We had a like, screen screen behind him. He was totally chan- channeling John Mackay. You know it like, was a point where we were going to get an update because somebody had died as a result of the story that this guy has published. And yeah. This is where he realised, oh, it's gone too far and he has to tell the truth and everything. Uh, and so originally we had him like do the earpiece and hear radio has been said we, we end up changing that to somebody off screen handing him a bit of paper and telling him like and he, then he does his air stuff voice like oh well, this is very sad news and yeah yeah there. and we also had him read a tweet from the president which again a re-reference to trump and yeah everything. yeah uh, so you know there was all that so i think there was some stuff uh we ended up showing him like reaction shots, mostly of the guy Craig, who is the the writer, and we showed him reacting to your stuff and to Max Wilson's stuff, yeah, and yeah, the news, and also we had we showed him with the gun shout with sound effects over of gunshots and people screaming of this attack that had happened that he's made up of. He's come up with a story about who's behind it, according to his sources and everything. <laughs> it could have been what you could have just used sound effects from SpongeBob, but my leg. <laughs> I I kind of end it because like there's a guy a guy who gets PR there's a video of him getting killed and uh, I I I do very meek help help over a punching sound effect which he's watching which I regret help, doing help was been a terrible accident <laughs> I, I regret doing really uh, that's really my one downside of the film I think for the most part I think given the concept I had I'd been working on for a while I put together the best film I could I wanted to do a scene that never made it into the film which was I wanted to actually do a video of shaky cam, like somebody who's there on the phone and then yeah, they, filming and what's going on. I who's filming what's going on. People with brought guns and maybe they they drop the phone and you hear gunshots over, implying that that person's been killed as well. Yeah, we, we were going to do this in this office in the like upper level of the uh, the of the third floor of the college, and we're going to get a bunch of extras in and everything, and we're going to have somebody filming it on their phone, and we're going to use that footage from their phone as the the video that the guy's watching. Yeah, yeah. But due to time constraints, we weren't able to actually get. I wasn't able to get together with any. wasn't able to schedule extras into. And eventually, I just thought oh, it's just better if he just watches it and everything. But you were saying to me you thought it was better. Oh yeah, yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I think you know, yeah, just hearing the gunshots and people just hearing it and people like yeah. like rather than visually seeing like because so many films do that fucking like you know like you know, personal footage, you know, shaky cam stuff, but not a lot of films just have the sound because that leaves you to imagine imagine the scene. You know, you you and a lot of the time when people can't see it, they they make it a whole lot worse and picture a whole lot worse and that ties into the whole conspiracy thing as well. Yeah. You know? So I think that is a lot better than just going for the standard like, oh fuck look, shit is going on. Yeah. Yeah. And the end the guy does a retraction and everything he has people missing, sending him threats because of it and then we end the film by having a knock at the door is it police is it people someone who's threatened them who is it and then he just has a short look as he hears the door go cut to the credits that's you, how the film you've done a Sopranos kind of <laughs> as the uh, as the film comes to an end because actually I, I spent too much time on the cons I wanted to have like a conspiracy theorist I wanted to try to find someone else to add in like as they show how the film the thing spread so and Scott had been doing a lot about uh, the character, about Alex Jones, and wanted to do a character like that, and then me and him started talking, and then, he just, and then we agreed he would do something for that for my film, Yeah, which was nice. Uh, but then after everything I worked on, the one thing I didn't properly work on when I eventually got down to it was, how the fuck do I end this movie? So I had a Monty Python, I was one stop short of somebody going in, like, coming in like, right, stop that, it's getting silly. <laughs> and... 
So I just kind of did the straight suspense for like who's coming to his door kind of ending and just like cut it there because I thought yeah. I've done the best I can up to that point. Just the it's out, it's over, it's ended, it's done. Credits. Yeah. So yeah, those were my those are my two sole like de- directorial efforts because I did technically camera directing as part of a group. This is just me as the director. Here's my script. Here's my vision. Let's just try and make this go. Yeah, it's my vision. She's like, you're, you're, Paul, you're an angel. Here's your motivation. <laughs> like the Grinch. And Jim here's your motivation. You're an angel. You're a cunt. You're going to steal you. my life. Nobody likes you. But you look kind of cool. Anyway. <laughs> yes. Brilliant. You would like the idea of the halo and the angel's wings because it represents commercialism. Why didn't I think of that? I just wear black and smoke. Ha <laughs> oh, ha! It's very uh, anti. Maybe a thumbs in the middle. What we doing up? Maybe for the thumb, th- middle to up for the film, <laughs> down to even further down for my acting. <laughs> I thought, see, that's how I feel about my acting in the. But uh, also, your hair in that film is a bit more blonde. Yeah, it's insane. This this one, it's called Misinformed. By the way, this film is what I called it, and. Uh, and this is the one film that you're not going to find on YouTube. I've got a copy of it somewhere. But also, you've got those very big glasses. It looks like you're wearing fucking goggles. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't be fucking cheap, people. But there's one more film we saw about it. It's also not on YouTube because Craig wasn't able to finish the editing. I offered to do it for him, but you had to do the editing myself. So, and Craig wasn't very good at editing. I but think was, I was in that film. Yeah, so. it was a key insistence that we do it. Uh, he's made believe this gangster, but he's also deaf, I think. Yeah. And I'm in it as a guy who works with him. Uh, I got given a monologue to remember this threatening monologue <laughs> like like the day of like it was written for somebody else I think it was written for Craig but then he gave it to me but told me the day of when he picked me up to go film it we filmed that in Lucky Break as well yeah it was a bit with you outside you were smoking you are chatting to him we had to film that by a busy road so the sound quality was what you'd expect mm. but then you have a scene where you bump into somebody and they get and they shit on you basically very similar to the last to that toilet scene except they don't spit on you you just bump them and the guy shoots you like fucking watch where you're going Oh, like, oh, chill out, man. And that's the guy who I uh, threatened later on. But yeah, <laughs> there's a there's a really great bit of a crap overacting on my part because as that happens, there's maybe like a crashing sound, like a glass is dropped or something, and I'm meant to react to like I've been given a fright, and so I don't know because the crash has been added in post, <laughs> so I go like this, like, hmm? like what was that? You go, <gasps> I gasp. And Sam was actually had a kind of a back and forth Craig and everything because they were probably and they have a scene both in the pub and then in the college which is maybe outside a, like a doctor's waiting room they try yeah. and treat it. and then we do some scenes of like following Craig wandering around kind of near the pub and then walks up to the pub and then just as he's walking up then cut to when he meets you he meets you outside the pub yeah. and everything basically it's implied at the end I kill this guy that threatened while Craig walks away with this big bag of money <laughs> but also it never got fully finished I, I started doing something for him like the scenes where he's walking we cut the sound out and out of it because yeah. it may be from his perspective and he can't hear anything maybe maybe in the future we may get a chance to finish it yeah sure we can be cool yeah be a I think, project he, he, I think he got the inspiration from a James Gandolfini film called The Drop he did which I'm, it was one of the last films he did before he, he before passed because yeah. it was circa like 2013 so it would have been around the time where he passed maybe even maybe have even came out after he died ah, posthumous release yeah, yeah posthumous release yeah it's not really as well remembered. I don't think it was kind of a small budget kind of indie film. So we and Tom Hardy was kind of on the rise and everything. James Gandolfini was still a name at that yeah, point. Gandolfini was a was a solid mm-hmm. actor, and Tom Hardy was like you say on the rise. 
yeah, yeah, because this would have been a year after Aiden Bane and everything and all that stuff. Uh, so I think that's kind of his inspiration because Craig is a big film guy, so he's taking oh, a yeah, yeah. like that. So yeah, I've always been thought about what would happen if me, you, Craig, maybe even Sam all got together. It would be a case of trying to find the fucking equipment first, but... Find the equipment and... Ah, oh, come on, we were always pretty solid with Greg. We could sweet talk him. We could... <laughs> come on, Greg, man, you know us. Greg was a Greg was a radio you know, lecturer. He was in charge of like, uh, the equipment. Yeah, man. but he was a good guy, man. He's a good guy, Greg. So yeah... I, want, I, want, I wonder if he listens to our show. I don't know. I don't know how any wrestling he is or Fraser. He, he, whenever we knew you kids just watching wrestling where we should have been doing something else, he was not best pleased. Yeah. I remember him catching me one time on downtime in class watching Megadeth on YouTube and he went, Ugh Yeah, you know I mean so he didn't like he didn't like Megadeth neither. Because like it was maybe we're maybe at some museum or on a trip, me you and me, you and the other two scholars I think started watching this video of like wrestling injuries or some shit like that. Oh yeah, I remember that, yeah. And he basically we're on like the third or second number three or two on the list. And then he just comes over to us like, really? You come all this way to watch wrestling? Like, go, you might be taking photos for something or... Uh, was, that, doing. was that when we were outside on that, like, on the ground trampoline and Bobby dropped his phone in it and all? I think so, yeah. Because uh, there was this play park thing and you got to slide down. Uh, we, we get took to the place to look at art and we went to the play park and watched wrestling. We, we did two we did two, <laughs> rounds, two laps of the whole thing, we took some photos. Then we got to go outside and we buggered off to that. But I kept swearing... And uh, one of the other people did too, and we kept realizing that the children in here were gonna get in trouble if we swear more loudly. We get we get taken as mature people to go and take pictures of art and appreciate art, and we watch wrestling injuries and go to the park. Yeah, we're not mature people. No, we're not. We're not. We wanted to watch wrestling and go to the park. Fuck you. But I want to interested to know if anybody else out there have you ever tried you know making your own short film or tried. Now making fun projects with your pals, and how did they turn out? Can you laugh at them now? Did they actually turn out better than you thought they would? Would let us know what were they called? Do you have a copy? Of them? Are they available yeah. on YouTube somewhere? Let Scott know on Twitter, or let me know on Facebook. You know, let us know on Facebook uh, at SBM. Like the page it while you're there if you haven't already, and let me know at Scott at Scott Muscle nineteen eighty six on Twitter or at SB Rambling or even at Rogue Underscore Pains, where we're also available. Yeah, on and if if any of you out there listening or interested I plan on sharing the films that I'm able to on face on the Facebook page sure I think that'd be alright you know I think We're some of you may get a kick out of that yeah and also make sure you check our back velvet check out last week's episode where we did that Fraser Monopoly as part of our 4 year yeah, anniversary yeah have a laugh yeah and uh, stay tuned for the next few we weeks ended up, we ended up with Lilith so many times <laughs> we realised you could have just went into just visiting but so. Remember, I helped you out, Lou. I gave you a card. Yes, you did. Because you had time. two. You didn't need two. Yeah, but I had to. Yeah. But, uh, for the next couple of weeks, we've got some good stuff uh, planned. Like oh, next we week, do. We do. we're going to talk about the involvement of Gilster Garman and David Hyde Pierce and Simpsons as part of our new series, Eclectic Escapades. We are indeed. It's going to be fun. And shortly after that, we're going to be doing a retrospective of the X Division Championship. That is going to be pretty damn fun too. And after that, I want to do a, either an in your house, in your gaff, or a from the vault. Uh, and if we end up, if it ends up being a from the vault. I'm hoping it's something. Involving Brett Hart, I think we should go back to something else involving Brett. Well, interestingly enough, I would, I was thinking the next from the vault could, if it was okay with yourself, be Survivor Series nineteen ninety two. Hmm, interesting. Which I believe, if I remember my tape correctly, has a champion v champion match as the main event between Sean and Brett. Yeah, it could be the return of Mister Perfect, but I think that's a future one. But I have a, an actually an idea 
but it's not necessarily vault in that show, but I was thinking we could start a wee series here, like, end of the month, do this one, where we could do Survivor Series 91. Oh. Because... Now you're, now you're talking, that is the breakup of the Rockers. No, it was yeah. before the Rumble, 92, it was the breakup of the Rockers. But like, I know the seeds are planted there, but they have yeah, to what, break up. Yeah, what I mean is, like, the seeds are planted, because you do remember famously... Mm-hmm. What happens, you get to the finish of the match near enough with two teams that are left, the Rockers and the Nasties. Marty, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong here, if I'm playing this out in my head wrong, but Marty lifts uh, Nobs, or is it Sags? I don't know. Is it the brown-haired one? I don't know. Well, he he lifts him anyway, and as he lifts him to slam him, Mm -hmm. his boot catches Sean in the chin. Now, if I'm right, Sean... Does Sean get pinned or does he get counted to two? No, I think one of them gets pinned as a result of that, but I can't remember which one. Well, I th- it's Sean, yeah, right? Sean I think pinned. Sean either gets pinned or... I'm not sure if he gets pinned or kicks out, but he, after it, he's pissed anyway, yeah. and he gets up, and Marty's doing the Marty thing. He's like, come on, man, try to be all like... I didn't mean it, but Sean is like severely fucking pissed and shoves him, and then he's like, oh, fuck it, I'm going. He just... He, I think they say on the commentary at the time he wasn't pinned, but he he walked out. He walked out on him anyway, and for a surprisingly, Jeanette actually held his own for a good couple of minutes against the Nasties, but eventually gets. As far if it, if it's still part of November, I don't know how many weeks are left in November. <coughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, but it would be just around twenty years since that show. But I'm thinking then, hopefully in December, I want to do a wee series where we because a big part of Stars Now is advertising this Tuesday in Texas. Maybe some point in December where we can do this Tuesday in Texas. That would be cool. And then at the end of that series, because both, both those shows are linked with the Taker and Undertaker thing, so it's good to oh, see yeah, them yeah. close together. And then in January, I thought, it's a show we've already done, but maybe we could do, given it's going to be 20 year anniversary, no, wait, no, 30 year anniversary actually, yeah, I was going to say 30 year anniversary in January, we could do a revisit of Royal Rumble 92, because we reviewed it before very early on in our run. Yeah. I'd say we could go back as a revisit. Because then we've got the chronology, because then we do these two shows close together with the WF title, and the circumstances begin the back of Alfred Hogan and Tager lead to the title being vacated and put up in the 1992 Royal Rumble. Very true. Cause Very it, true. But eventually, because we've already done SummerSlam, uh, I do want to do WrestleMania like, 8 at one point, and I know you want to do Surprise, which I do too. So at some point, we are going to do basically every all five pay per views. Or sort of all four pay per views from ninety two. Yeah, eventually. But I think we could start this wee mini series. Like, we could, oh, we could call it ninety two in review. <laughs> that could be quite good. Ninety two in review. So yeah, maybe the next, maybe after the next one we'll do we'll do a various series ninety one with a the immortal line from Bobby Heenan. How come is the long live the Undertaker? Got a better one. A rambling review of ninety two. That's fucking awesome. There you go. A rambling review well, we in 92. You, you stay tuned for that and take over past retro reviews from, from in your in your gaff uh, from the vault. I mean, from before that, we've done some good stuff there. Yeah. But it's good retro reviews before we had a name for it. That's on <laughs> Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts, you can yeah. find us there. Check it out if you're into your you know, old retro kind of wrestling. And, well... We've got some good stuff to come up. I don't know if I need to say more than that, Paul. I don't think so. I think just say, we as always, we hope you're listening out there, enjoying listening to us talk shit. Uh-huh. We've enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun for me going back and talking about our projects and our time in college. It was a lot of fun. Uh-huh. Like I say, my favourite, as you can probably tell from the review, was one in, one out. I, <laughs> I really did enjoy that. I enjoyed the saviour. And I had a lot of fun, like, 
you know, just working on them at the time, you know. It was, yeah. it was good. It was good. It was good shit. It was good shit. You know, and we all we we appreciate you. We hope you appreciate us. I look forward to the next couple of weeks because you know it, it's a good few weeks of our fifth year. It really shows. Like I said before, like I'm glad that we've finally got into a grave with our own series. We've we started to stop talking about shit. We, we feel like we should talk about. It. We're talking about shit. We want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, we 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 are enjoying. We are enjoying our fucking content now. Yeah, you know? and we're going to enjoy it a lot more, I think, going forward. And we hope you do too. See you next time for Eclectic Escapades. See ya.